I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Get in the ring. Go the distance with Fight Night. The fight starts now with Adam Catterall. I don't think he's going to get up. On Talk Sport, the home of boxing. And welcome to Fight Night on Talk Sport from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. I'm Adam Catterall. It's an action packed night because tonight it is Ruiz Joshua Part 2. This is the second best thing, let me tell you, to actually being in Saudi Arabia because people alongside us who've been enjoying a little bit of sport throughout the course of the day in the bar, enjoying the Manchester derby. Yeah, all right, they've had a couple of scoops, but they're making a lot of songs as well. Neil Diamond's just been ringing out uh, to the sheiks and Arabs in Saudi Arabia. They've been singing along, and uh, we have as well here in this bar. Alongside me this evening, uh, my partner in crime, Nicholas Pete. Great to have you with me. Nick, the atmosphere in the bar, let alone Saudi Arabia, is absolutely sensational at this moment in time. It's absolutely bonkers. You know, people are singing on tables and everything, but the good thing is we're, we're drying here. Everybody in Saudi Arabia are stuck in some kind of crazy rainstorm. They're all soaking wet. Yeah, What's going on? Absolutely. There, is, there has been a storm throughout the course of the day in Saudi Arabia, uh, and that has played play a little bit of havoc with the ring walks. However, the ring is covered. Uh, alongside us, uh, myself and Nick, uh, tonight, the man with the gold medals. It is, of course, the one and only Mr. Luke Campbell. Luke, great to have you alongside us. Personal friend, obviously, uh, of Anthony Joshua. And for the first time in a long time, we're seeing Anthony having to walk first. Normally, he's walking to the ring second as champion. Yeah, like first time. So, it's, you know, it's but now he's going to prove a point. You know, he's, he's going to put, put, he's going to prove all them that was wrong and get his belts back. I spoke to him a couple of nights ago. And um, I, I did say to him, you look a lot more focused this time. You know, you look like you, you're, you're really in the zone. Yeah. And he said he was. He said he's had a great camp and um, he's, he's ready to, for this fight. Uh, one man that knows about fighting in outdoor venues, Loftus Road springs to mind, my friend, uh, former featherweight world champion, of course. Great to have the legend alongside us, Barry McGuigan. Barry, Preparation-wise, I know this is Saudi Arabia, and maybe the climate's very, very different out there, and they're dealing with a storm at this moment in time. But does preparation differ when you're fighting in an outdoor arena compared to the closure yeah, of a Manchester yeah, Arena or an O2? Yeah, I mean, Lucas fought outside as well. It's, it's a different atmosphere. It's colder, a little bit colder, and it's noticeably so if you're fighting over here. Over there, I don't know what it's like at this time of the evening. I'm sure there's a little bit of chill in the air in comparison to what it is during the day. But it, it doesn't really alter your training or your, uh, your your sparring that much. I mean, what, what I did was, I don't know about you, Luke, but I actually uh, went and sparred one 15-rounder outside and, and so that I actually got used to fighting outside because you know, I had my professional debut outside, but that lasted two rounds. Um, so it was good to actually get that and, and get that feeling again, but it's, I'm sure it's, it's going to be different out there. Nick, talk to me about the rise of Saudi Arabian sport at this moment in time. Obviously, we've seen a World Cup go out there to Qatar very, very shortly. Um, there's been other major events 
I know that uh, the WWE have hosted stuff out there. We saw, obviously, George Groves uh, and Callum Smith fight in Jeddah last year in the World Boxing Super Series. This tonight, they are becoming a bit of a superpower, aren't they? Well, that's it. The whole Middle East, they realise that, you know, the, the oil, um, whether the oil lasts forever or the need for oil, more precisely, lasts forever, you know, with, with, with clean energy things and stuff now. The demand for oil is going to decline in the future. And the, the Middle East, all those seven nations of the Middle East are all aware of that, and they're investing heavily now in tourism. They see themselves as the... No, I was going to say you've got perfect weather all year round, but it's absolutely raining <laughs> at the moment. But, you know, the, the climate's fantastic. They, they're appealing to the Western world to spend their money over there, to travel a lot. Obviously, you've seen the rise of Dubai over the last 15, 20 years to become a real destination of choice for, for, for Europeans. So the, Saudi Arabia are exactly the same boat. And the way, they're key to unlocking that tourism is bringing in giant sporting events, hence the World Cup, hence big boxing events like this. And this is just the beginning. I think we're going to see a lot more moving forward as well. Uh, now, on the show this evening, uh, we will obviously speak a little bit about the undercard, which has already happened. Dillian White getting a victory. Uh, Michael Hunter and uh, Alexander Povetkin giving us a great fight, which ended in a draw. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We'll preview Chris Eubank Jr., who's uh, fighting in Brooklyn a little later on against Matt Obrov as well. Uh, but first of all, the ring walks are just taking place. Anthony Joshua, as I said, walking first. He's now in the ring. Luke, like I said, you're a per close personal friend of Anthony's. There was a lot made of the last ring walk in New York, wasn't there? People saying that he wasn't right from the very first moment. As you're looking at him now, talk me through it. Are you seeing a more relaxed, more laser-like focus, Anthony Joshua? Well, I thought that as he was walking out, he looks more calm. You know, it's obviously, as another fighter, I'm, I'm watching him and I can see the way his face is, the way he's breathing for, for nerves. You know, he's, he's got them nerves, which every fighter needs. It, it, they're there to keep you sharp. But, you know, he, he looks, I don't know, he just looks more on it this time. Last time, I just, I thought he maybe just thought it was going to be a little walk in the park and it, it probably looked right through him. This time, you can see he's, he's really on it and he needs to be on it. I think he needs to, he needs a big statement in this fight. Barry, talk to me about tactics, because obviously that first fight did not go to plan for whatever no. reason. How no. does he approach the rematch? I mean, it's, it's very, very simple. Uh, Andy Ruiz can only fight one way, coming forward. He cannot fight backing up. So what you've got to do with a guy like that who throws bunches of punches, he's one of the fastest combination punches for a heavyweight I've seen in a long time. So Anthony Joshua's got to get on his bike, take the centre of the ring. As soon as the bell goes, run out to the centre of the ring, and use your jab, step back, step off to the side, be as disciplined in that department as you can for the first half of the fight. Then you can have a fight with him when he begins to slow down mm. and you start to exchange. But for the first four or five rounds, he's got to keep himself as mobile as possible and use his jab 70% more than he used it the last time. He's got the height and reach, everything chest tight, jab that chest. Just slam that left hand into him and then step off, step off. Yeah. Nick, just you, fight the way Luke fights. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. Nick, do you look too much into the weigh-in yesterday? Ruiz coming in heavier, AJ coming in considerably lower? No, I, I kind of expected it, to be honest with you. I expected AJ to come in lighter, of course, to be a bit more nimble on his feet to get his footwork going into really, as Barry says, use the full size of this ring to not allow Andy Ruiz to get too close to him to let these combinations to go. And in terms of Ruiz, to me, he didn't look a stone heavier. He looks similar to what he was in New York anyway. He will just try and claim the centre of the ring and he, he wants AJ to come in close so he can let those fast combinations to go. I'm going to coin a new phrase tonight, uh, phrase tonight, gents. It's called functional fat. 
He's got functional fat. Muscles don't win fights necessarily. He's got functional fat. He's heavy. You know he can be hit, but you've got to hit and slip away. If you don't slip away, he'll hit you with four punches going backwards. <laughs> functional fat. I've got a lot of that. Yeah, I've got a lot too. of that functional fat. Not like these two gentlemen next to us. These uh, specimens uh, of athletes. Both men now in the ring. Uh, Anthony Joshua's been in there for a short period of time, but Andy Ruiz didn't make him wait whatsoever. He made the ring walk. Walk into the ring as a champion, Barry. Talk to me about the difference in that mentality because he's been the Neely man for such a long period of time, Andy Ruiz. We saw him against Parker in Oakland. I personally thought he won that fight and he yeah, missed, he missed day, actually. He, he missed out that particular yeah. night. Yeah. He's he came in as a last minute replacement, massive underdog. He's no longer the challenger, he's the champion tonight. Yeah. Is there a difference in mentality when you're defending? Well, I, I think it, it is, there is a difference in mentality. First of all, you've achieved something very special. But it's, it, you know, it's very difficult to tell in the build-up to the fight and in the various different interviews that I saw whether or not he's actually, it has altered him at all. He says it hasn't. He's still as hungry as ever. He's tasted it. Now he wants it all. And therefore, he's more hungry than ever. That's hard to tell, and we'll know. It was a bit disappointing that he came in 15 pounds heavier, but a guy of his sort of size, it's always very difficult to know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I was saying to Luke earlier before we started, I remember a guy called Gary Mason uh, many years ago, a heavy guy, and he wasn't good when he stripped weight off to, to try and, uh, and fight and engage guys. And every time he was heavy, he was great. But when he stripped weight off, he wasn't as good. And that might have been the same situation with Andy Ruiz. Um, but again, you know, the tactics are quite simple. Joshua's got to be disciplined in box and keep off the center of the ring. He doesn't have to back to the ropes. And he's just got to use that jab as often as he can. Not exchange early on, second half of the fight. Then he can start to get involved. But not, at the, not in the early rounds, for sure. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. We are live from the uh, Redwood Sports Bar uh, here on London Bridge. The national anthem is currently ringing out at this moment in time. And of course, uh, you can hear the crowd inside the Redwood Bar having a little bit of a sing song. Uh, Luke, talk to me about the, the psychology of this particular fight because AJ's not been here professionally before. He has been here as an amateur, he has suffered defeats before. Talk to me about that bounce, bounce back ability because he's doing it on the very, very, very top level, you know? Yeah. Well, I seen a, a quote in the press the other day from AJ saying that he's not bothered about the belts. He just he just wants to prove all the doubters wrong, you know. And that's a, a massive incentive uh, for training camp and to get back in the ring and put in a fantastic performance. You know, obviously a lot of people are saying from the last fight that he quit. So now for him, he's got a point to prove. So his mentality, I guess, will be, you know, he's got to prove everybody wrong and he's got to go in there with a great performance. Like exactly what Barry's saying, he's, he's got to dominate from the start. He's got to, he's got to take the centre of the ring and show this guy that he want, he's getting his belts back. He's got to dominate the centre of the ring and control the distance with his footwear. How hard is it going into a fight like this? I mean, he is the challenger, but with a lot of people in here, a lot of people out there, a lot of people who have been to the bookies today, he's still the favourite, is Anthony Joshua. That pressure is absolutely enormous, isn't it? Well, it can be suffocating depending on, on how you handle it. Um, I mean, I think to a certain extent, the pressure is taken off him. And as you asked me earlier on, you know, an awful lot more pressure is now on Andy Ruiz. You've done it once, now you've got to do it again. Yeah. So um, the, the onus will be on Ruiz this time. But um, it's, still, it's still a very, very dangerous fight for, for Anthony Joshua. Nick, regarding 
the outcome of this fight. How important is the outcome of this fight when we're talking about narratives in the heavyweight division for next year? Does everything kind of stem off what happens this evening? It does. It absolutely does if Andy Ruiz gets his hand raised because then you'll see Andy Ruiz probably go straight in with Deontay Wilder and you'll probably see Tyson Fury get pushed to the back of that queue because Al Heyman, who manages both of these guys, will want to have one heavyweight champion. Um, so that, that will absolutely jump to the top of the list, I would have thought. Obviously, if AJ wins, we're back in the mix. We're back talking about potential fights down the line with, with Wilder and with Tyson Fury. But, you know, if there's anything contentious about Joshua's performance tonight, if he was to win <clears throat> a third fight with Ruiz, would ultimately be on the card, would it not? For me, I'm, as a fan of Anthony Joshua, I am not bothered how he wins tonight. Absolutely not bothered whatsoever. It, it's quite difficult because a lot of fans want to see, as we were saying, when we were talking to Darren Law a little bit later on. They want to see knockouts. They want to see blood and guts, don't they? And AJ has been that guy. He is, he is nine times out of ten, delivered the knockouts, hasn't he? For me tonight, it's just about getting the hand raised, is it not? For, for me, it's because of the, what happened in the first fight and the way Joshua went okay. out. For me, Joshua needs to come back and knock him out in style. But I, but I can see that smile on your face. That's a, that's a fighter talking, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm just <laughs> trying to put myself in Joshua's yeah, yeah. shoes and I just think... For what happened in the first fight, the way it went and the way it went out, for him now, he'll want to come back and I don't think he'll be happy to win on points. Obviously, he'll be happy to win, but... It's about rubber stamping it's, it. It's but, about but stamping Luke, it. I, I think that's the danger. He's got to put the idea of knocking this guy out of his head. He's got to learn what he's got to do tonight. He's got to box this guy and box his ears off, not get hit, not engage with him, and certainly in the first half of the fight, he's got to use the jab, he's got to use his feet, and, and I don't know whether he has the discipline to do that, and also, I don't know that he's been able to implement those new techniques that he has to learn, or he has to show tonight, in the small amount of time. I think he's under tremendous pressure, and you can go through the annals of history and see there have been very few guys that have, have, have been able to re win immediate rematches when they've been knocked out so you can I, I have them written down here but i can't even read my own writing <laughs> so i'm gonna get i'm gonna give it a rest but i think he has got to con not talk about or think about having a knockout when he's got to think about boxing because the knockout will come if he gets that job working and get those legs working so therefore later on when we speak to Luke about maybe getting the Linares rematch we know exactly the tactics you're going in there and you're going to steamboat him 100% <laughs> that's how that's going to go down uh, we've heard the uh, national anthems there's a little bit of announcements going on at this moment in time out in Saudi Arabia talk to me about the pomp and ceremony at this moment in time you've, been, you've both been in world class big fights like this recently against Lomachenko Luke recently against Linares yeah. all this is just a faff isn't it you just want someone to ring a bell and then you can get at it you, you're not taking the slightest bit of notice on what anybody's saying this bit now when you're in the ring just seems to take forever you know you just want that bell to go and then you want just to fight you know and then but this little bit here just seems to take forever it's like <laughs> get on with it already it's just it's just the worst time sitting waiting and you know the introduction we've got the wonderful michael buffer who's who's doing a great job and always does but at that time that five yeah. ten minutes of waiting is just like horrible it's just will you get out of the bloody ring so we can get on with it, you know, that's, that's it. ring that bell and if you notice like both guys will non-stop move around yeah. just to keep limber you know, non-stop moving you never see one of them just stood still doing nothing you're always, they're always moving the rams, the waist, checking the legs out. 
want to stay want to stay nimble and ready for it you know but us as fight fans nick we love the pomp and ceremony don't we we love the buffer introductions we love all this it just adds to the flavor i mean look at this bar tonight here at london bridge people are absolutely salivating at what might happen absolutely because literally anything could happen and that's the what makes it such a intriguing fight you know we broke it down time and time again and I, you know i can see ruiz winning early i can see joshua winning early i can see ruiz winning the middle rounds i can see joshua winning middle rounds i can see them both winning late i can see joshua certainly winning on points so and that's what makes it so intriguing just what I want to pick up on luke said there though you know at this point it's about keeping your body moving you know the adrenaline's running around your body you're kicking your legs you're throwing little you're doing a bit of shadow that's what we're seeing right now. We didn't see that from AJ in New York. AJ didn't do that in New York. He was frozen in his corner getting some weird neck massage, if you remember. He looked completely wrong. I like the way he looks right now. He looks more relaxed and he looks hungry. I think he's enjoying the role of challenger and hopefully it brings out the best in AJ. Mm. Um, and AJ has just been uh, announced, obviously, to uh, the crowd and uh, Andy Ruiz has been announced at this moment in time. I always find it weird when we're, uh, when we're talking about uh, boxing on the radio or even on the television and then someone makes an apology for some bad language that you hear in the background yeah listen there's people here they're having a beer they're enjoying themselves we've kind of infiltrated their night out by bringing our show on the road you will hear a little bit of something in the background because people are enjoying themselves so i apologize now for it but i'm not going to apologize again for it because let me tell you if anthony joshua pulls this off there is going to be a few choice words let's just say our table might go never yeah. mind anybody else's it, table it, it, in the background no, no doubt whatsoever uh, interesting to see as well the uh, the stars that have uh, decided to descend on uh, Saudi Arabia. We saw Canelo Alvarez there. I've seen Usher uh, ringside. Who's the uh, who's the biggest name that you fought in front of, Barry? Say that again. Who's the biggest name? Who's the biggest celebrity that has come to watch you? There must have been some big ones. Oh, back Daniel Day Lewis, pretty good. Oh, man. get out, Highlander. Highlander came to watch you. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. You must have had a few as well when you were fighting Linares. There must have been a few over there in the, the Lomachenko fight, Luke. Yeah, but. I've, I've never, I never see anyone. I always ask people like, who's in the crowd? Was he, is anyone big in the crowd? Because I'm, you know, you just focus on the ring, so you don't even know who's around. So I asked other people afterwards. I'm like, was anyone it's, there? It's when you see all your friends' uh, Instagrams later on, and they've all had the selfies with exactly. all the celebrities. Meanwhile, you've been. What was that? What's your name? Yeah, exactly. You've been giving it the blood and guts. Uh, the bell has just rung. Uh, Barry and Luke are going to concentrate on the fight and keep us up to date with everything at the end of every round. Uh, myself and Nick will try our very best not to obviously be distracted uh, by what we're seeing in the background. And as I said, you will hear a few choice words uh, throughout the course of the evening. We are live uh, fight night on Talk Sport from the Redwood Sports Bar here in London Bridge. I'm Adam Cattle, Nick Peter alongside me, Luke Campbell and Barry Wiggins uh, as part of the show. A little earlier on, by the way, Nick, uh, Gillian White got himself a victory off the back of uh, the news yesterday that UCAD have decided to clear him of all charges. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, of course. Um, listen. He's had a very dodgy four and a half months as Dillian, where maybe his mindset hasn't been fully focused on the world of boxing. His performance a little earlier on was a little bit cumbersome, a little bit slow. It wasn't normally the firecracker that we're used to when we're, when we're seeing Dillian White. And we can excuse him for that. Hopefully, with the news yesterday, he can put all that behind him and crack on. Yeah, he looked a little bit heavy, didn't he? Let's be honest. He was carrying a bit of extra timber, which is not like Dillian. And I just hope that this delay on his career, stalling his career in the manner in which it has, doesn't have a long-term impact, you know, let's not forget he was number one contender with the WBC before this whole Farrar kicked off and 
you know, he did look a bit of a shadow, the fighter that was knocking on the door for a world title fight just six months ago. So hopefully he can bounce back from it. Hopefully now he can focus on his boxing. But once again, you know, we need to get clarity, not just with UCAD, but with WADA, with everybody in boxing, about what is a positive test. You know, mm. if, if it's in your system, it's in your system. But if it's, you know, if they're saying now it has to be above a certain amount, a certain, above a trace, a certain amount to be counted as a PED, then why are we, why are we even checking for trace amounts then? Just check for the minimal amount. And if, if you're positive, then you, you're banned. And we're seeing this right across fight sports at the moment. It needs sorting out. You kind of obviously taking the brunt of it right now, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. But boxing needs to protect itself in more ways than one, both politically and obviously in case something happens inside the ring. Uh, we'll get, obviously, Luke and Barry's thoughts on that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, you listen to TalkSport, this is Fight Night. It is Ruiz versus Joshua 2. Just a quick one before I get, obviously, the boys' thoughts on the uh, on the first round, which is coming to a climax in around about 40 seconds' time. Um, are you a man that would go for a fresh trim before a fight, or uh, would you go full AJ? He's, I mean, he's, he's rolled it back to the 70s tonight. He's decided to go for Afro. I think he looks absolutely sensational and I think he looks absolutely laser focused and that's what I wanted to see. I don't care about his haircuts, I don't care about his sponsors, I don't care about his entourage, I don't care about his ring walk. I just want AJ to deliver in this big moment because his, you know, his, his legacy depends on him bouncing back tonight and putting in a big performance. So I don't care what he looks like as long as he gets his hand raised at the end of the night. Mm. Um, Saudi Arabia is the destination this evening and it sounds like we're in Saudi Arabia at this moment in time. Um, because you might hear a little bit of uh, cheers going up in the background. We'll keep you up to date with what that is in a moment or two. But I can see a little bit of claret coming out of the corner of uh, Andy Ruiz's eye. Um, the, re the first round has actually just concluded. So let's get a little bit of take on that. Buddy, you give me a little bit of a nudge there as it was going. It looked like a right hand that caught Andy Ruiz over the yeah, left eye. Is that perfect. what it was? Yeah, it, not, it, it, only, it didn't only cut him, it actually staggered him. But he's boxing exactly the way he should be boxing. This is the way to do it. Use your left jab, step back. Don't be greedy if you hit him and hurt him. Take your time, be calculated and box his ears off and take all the steam out of him and then you can put the pressure on him, but not in the early rounds. Luke, in the first round at Madison Square Garden, very, very passive. They were very tentative. They were stepping off quite a lot. Not really a lot of action. AJ, as Barry said right at the start of this, he walked straight to the centre of the ring, took control of that ring and yep. fired out that jab. Yeah, it's exactly how we said he should be boxing for this. Um, I mean, when he boxed the last time in New York, he was very flat-footed. No movement. He's come out now. He's, he's using the jab. He's taking the centre of the ring and he's having lovely side-to-side -side movement. And that's exactly what's is he, making Ruiz not want to throw his combinations because yes. he keeps making him moving back and falling short. He's also, I've noticed, moving side to side, lateral movement. He's used to go. When, when I've watched AJ in the past, he does move in straight lines. Not tonight. I mean, I know we're only three minutes in. Yeah. But there's a lot of lateral movement already there, Luke. Yeah, there is, and that's he had a lot of success in that first round because of it. Mm. Nick, very important that. I mean, we said that in a lot of the build-up, didn't we, regarding yeah. this particular fight. AJ does move backwards in straight lines, and that would be dangerous against a fighter like Andy Ruiz, who does like to come forward. But already tonight, we're seeing him popping out that jab, very light on his feet, and a lot of lateral movements, which is important. Keep offsetting and making Ruiz reset. Exactly. That, the jab is the key to this fight for him. Just fire out that jab and keep offsetting Andy Ruiz. And he started really well, Josh. And what I do like is the first fight in New York, that left hand was by his shorts. He had it by his thigh from the opening belt. But tonight, it's tucked under his chin. It's protecting himself. 
He's moving. He's moving plenty. I just, I just wanted to keep the shots nice and straight. Double, double left jab, straight right hand, and move away. He, after he landed in that first round, he kind of threw a little check left hook and almost got caught by Ruiz on the counter. I'd leave the hooks out of the game completely. Just straight shots. Keep pushing Ruiz back. Use that extra reach and keep offsetting him. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport, uh, just in case you're thinking it's sounding a little bit different for your normal uh, Saturday night boxing show. Well, it is a little bit different because the biggest fight of the year is currently taking place in Saudi Arabia, and we are bringing you a little bit of a different take on it from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. Uh, I'm Adam Cattrall, Nick Peter alongside me, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan are part of the team this evening, keeping an eye on the fight that is currently going on. We're into the second round, uh, about a minute, ten seconds left of that second round, so we'll get a little bit of an update from the boys uh, in a moment or two. And after this, we want you to get involved with it, because I know full well... You might not be watching it, you might be at work, you might be tuning in to us for these updates and keeping you up to date with everything that is going in Saudi Arabia. We want your take on Anthony Joshua's performance this evening. Get in contact with the show. 08717 We will be taking your calls directly after the performance, of course. Uh, so do get by that phone. Get involved with the programme because this is your programme uh, as much uh, as it is ours. And already, as we're just having a little bit of a nosy through here, the lateral movement of Anthony Joshua is spot on, side to side movement, popping out the jab. He doesn't seem to be deviating. He looks great, and there's, and there's a bit more claret spilt there as well, which is obviously what he wants. He wants he wants to keep Ruiz. That, that's, he just wants to stay off the ropes. He wants to keep Ruiz moving. He wants to keep tire Ruiz out. Don't forget, he's, he's a heavy lump as Andy Ruiz. Um, and the more Anthony Joshua can make him move his feet, the more he can make him chase him around the ring, the better. Just got to keep firing out that jab. Don't get greedy. You know, I think in the first fight when he knocked him down, he got a little bit greedy. He stood on it. He went toe to toe with him, and that's how he got caught. Yeah. This is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, Barry, the uh, second round has now concluded. Uh, there is a little bit more claret there on the uh, on the face of uh, Andy Ruiz. Yeah. You've got to be impressed so far with the way that AJ's approached this rematch. Yeah, I mean he's boxing perfectly well. He's using his feet. He squared up a little bit there when he backed. He, he must not let his back hit the ropes. He's got to keep a side-on position. Use that jab. Use his feet. He's just started off perfectly. Perfectly. He's won the first two rounds, and uh, he's caught Ruiz a couple of good shots. That's exactly how he's got to play this game. Regarding the dangers, though, Luke, it's always there, isn't it? And if he keeps, if he can keep this up for 12 rounds, it's an absolute shutout. Yeah, his, his boxing lovely. You know, his movements lovely. Like you say, the only time that Ruiz had success in that round is when he, he just got stuck on the ropes. But other than that, I, I won't give him any success really. Um, Luke, Josh I was just saying there, uh, Joshua's actually cut on the left eye, small little nick on the left eye. Yeah. But he's boxing beautifully. He's catching Ruiz uh, for fun with that jab at this moment in time. And like you said, that lateral movement. That's the most impressive thing tonight, Luke. I don't know about you. He's, he's taking it away from Ruiz because, you know, he punches in combinations. And with his footwork moving away, he's not wanting to throw them combinations because he can't get in. Um, do stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan alongside myself and Nick Pete, uh, keeping you up to date with everything that's going on uh, in Saudi Arabia. I'm absolutely delighted with the way that Ant Anthony Joshua is approaching this. We discussed a lot about the psychological effects of that first fight. Listen, he's not been clicked yet. We don't know where he's at at this moment in time. He's two rounds in, but he's obviously been manifesting that first defeat, and he has been working so hard in the gym 
into changing the game plan fit for an Andy Ruiz absolutely as you say we're seven minutes in now and everything's going to plan you know the big concern is can Anthony Joshua keep this up for 12 rounds is he patient enough is he fit enough because we know and we've seen it previously he does tend to gas uh, at one stage in fights where he just waits for the second win that seems to come a little bit later than some other fighters but he's looking lean, he's looking sharp, and he's keeping mobile at the moment. He's just got to keep this going. At the end of the day, look at the shape of Andy Ruiz. Don't let that fool you. This guy's fit as a fiddle. He'll do 15 rounds if he needed to. AJ's just got to keep walking and don't let him capitalise on getting caught against the ropes. As Barry touched on then, the ropes are on fire. We used to play this in the gym. The ropes are on fire. Don't let your back touch the fire. Keep moving, keep running rounds. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. We're here every single Saturday night, normally in the comfort of our studio, uh, but I'd much rather be out and about uh, at the uh, Redwood Sports Bar this evening uh, for this exclusive screening of Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua, the second fight, the rematch. Uh, we all know what went on in that first fight where Anthony Joshua had Andy Ruiz going in that third round. Got a little bit greedy maybe, got stung himself and then never really recovered from the shots of the temple and ended up losing his crown. Tonight's a big night for him, as Nick said a little earlier on. It's a big night for his legacy. Can he bounce back? We've seen the greats in Lennox Lewis do it before, haven't we? On two separate occasions against the likes of Oliver McCall and Hasim Reichman. This is his moment tonight. Yeah. Isn't it strange though? The atmosphere in the bar's completely changed. You know, it felt like a cup final before the, the fight actually started. Everyone was singing, everyone was dancing. But now, even though everything's going right for AJ, look around, everyone's got fit same faces everybody in the bar's got sweaty palms everyone's kind of waiting okay that's another round in the bag another round in the bag but we're all kind of waiting for something dramatic to happen and we know it can happen with the blink of an eye in heavyweight division well we know and it's not too far away the uh, the memory of madison square garden where anthony joshua actually had andy ruiz in trouble and then off the back of that trouble ended up getting in trouble himself i've got to say his shot selection tonight so far from what i'm seeing i mean i'll get more of an intake from uh, barry and luke in a moment or two his shot selection seems absolutely spot on lovely jab and some nice lefts to the body there as well yeah nice and patient and uh, all good so far luke i'll come to you because uh, obviously he's a heavyweight he's fighting like a lightweight this lad isn't he yeah he's um <laughs> you know he's, he's putting the, the miles on the clock on his legs there but he's doing exactly what he needs to do he's, he's not getting involved in in uh, tear-ups you know he's not getting involved he's, he's doing his work and he's moving out the way he's making andy ruiz miss uh, by his footwork uh, side to side movement and he's he's questioning himself i can see that ruiz is questioning himself to go in and throw combinations because he didn't know what joshua was going to do he's not been there from to land shots and he's, he's boxing a perfect fight at the moment got to give credit to the corner team haven't we barry because these are the exact tactics i mean last time maybe he wasn't switched on maybe he didn't listen last time i don't know i didn't hear the beginning of this i've got to give credit to what the corner team the corner, rob, the rob, corner rob mccracken and, and his boys yes, wants to get in this the, absolute spot on and him so to, far him so listening. good so far so good boxing great what you don't do with a fighter like andy ruiz you do not hold your feet and up to now he's boxing beautifully he's taken two steps back off to the left two steps back off to the right it's exactly what he's got to do but he's got to be disciplined and keep it and that left hand out like that is beautiful you mentioned this actually in the in the build-up to it 
that will have been drilled over and over and over again. How hard is that to do? Is that a repetition thing over the last it, four or five months whilst he's been in camp? Everything we learn in, in, in boxing, you implement it on the pads, you learn a combination, you learn a punch sequence, and you drill it over and over again so that it becomes like second nature. So you don't have to think about it, you just do it. It's robotic, you end up becoming robotic. And at this moment, Nick, it's absolutely playing out as we uh, we, we envisage in the, in the build-up to this. We said jab, move, jab again, drag him into deep waters, which might be the situation later on, and hopefully drown him a little bit later on. But again, don't be too concerned about drowning him. Just get the job done and get your hand raised. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, Andrew Ruiz has come to Saudi Arabia absolutely full of confidence. He truly believes he's going to do the same thing again. He truly believes he will catch Anthony Joshua and he will finish him just like he did in New York. But at the moment, we're midway through the fourth round and he's hardly landed anything. Mm. So we're starting to see him take a few more chances now. He's leaping forward with hooks a little bit more. And that's when it's going to play into AJ's world. If AJ can time a, a nice counter straight right hand, just at the right time as Ruiz leaps forward, then we could see a massive moment in the fight. At mm. the moment, Ruiz is four you know, he's, he's looking like he's going to be four rounds down. He will start to get desperate. This isn't New York. The fight isn't going the same way so far. And he'll want to make a little bit of an inroad into the fight. He believes he's going to leave here with the belts. He's got to do something about it to make sure he keeps them. From Ruiz's point of view, though, he, he's been in with AJ before. He's seen many AJ fights before. Okay, we haven't seen AJ as light as this for five years. Yeah. We have seen AJ get past four, five, six rounds. And then all of a sudden, that big muscle mass, the lactic acid does start to kick in. And then he starts to slow down. And that's going to be interesting to see what happens to his footwork when that happens, if we even get that far. If we get that far, absolutely, you know, at the moment, Andy Ruiz is, is shipping a lot of shots. He is, you know, he, he is easy to hit, Andy Ruiz, and there's only so long you can keep walking forward, taking shots and missing your own big shots before your own gas tank absolutely runs out. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to say, interesting, we mentioned uh, um, Andy Joshua being lighter. Um, I just looked at the box rec and the stats. Andy Ruiz hasn't been this heavy since his pro debut in 2009 he weighed 297 pounds on this occasion he weighed 283 now this is what joshua shouldn't be doing he shouldn't be getting involved in fighting at this stage he's boxing beautifully up to now he shouldn't be getting greedy and aggressive he should be just boxing i was just about to say a similar thing there to to luke because it did look like a little bit of greed there he's had an awful amount of success there hasn't he and then all of a sudden he's got a bit greedy and he's got caught a couple of times on the inside yeah like you say he's, you know he's, he's really got to be disciplined and, and stick to his game plan because if he does that then not I, I do believe the knockout will come through. but with him getting a little bit greedy and, and, and trying to go in and steam steam combinations before that time is coming He's gonna. He could end up getting caught and uh, and going out himself. You see, the thing about this game is, it's about tactical discipline. It's not about getting yeah, losing your cool, losing your rag. And what's happening now is, in the Ruiz corner, they're beginning to panic. Hold on, we're approaching the halfway stage. I'm four rounds down, and uh, this is round five coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he's lost every round so far. And, but again, near the end of the round, Joshua decides he's going to go and it's too early. He's not done yet. He's 
got to box him for another at least four or five rounds and he was hit with a couple of good shots and stung a little bit so he's got to stick to his disciplined approach how hard is it to keep that disciplined approach though when someone gives you a little bit of something and automatically the red mist might come down that's your natural instinct isn't it Luke yeah, it's, it's, it's just being focused how, how long can you concentrate for you know and then some fighters can do it and some some can't and some can start off really well and then it goes out the window you know I think Anthony Joshua did hold his feet a little bit more in that round um, and there was a lot more engagement so you know if he can keep moving and keep doing what he's doing without holding his feet that's where he'll have his success uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Nick Pete alongside me, Luke Campbell and uh, Barry McGuigan, of course. Uh, we're on location from the Redwood Sports Bar in London Bridge. If you're in the vicinity, you're more than welcome to come down and join us uh, to watch a little bit of Ruiz versus Joshua. If you can't make it, do keep the radio on because we'll keep you up to date with it uh, throughout the whole course uh, of the show, no doubt about it. We'll get you uh, to the undercard that happened a little earlier on, which involved Dillian White. And, of course, we'll be previewing a bit of Eubank Jr. against Matt Kovarov, which is coming up from Brooklyn in the early hours of the morning a little bit of worrying sign there at the end of the fourth round from AJ he did as Luke said just plant his feet didn't he he just got a little bit greedy and maybe thought I've coasted here for three and a half rounds let's get stuck in yeah let's let him have it he, you know, he paid the price he took a little cuffing right hook to the side of the head and then a bit of a left hook to the jaw as well but you know what that might not necessarily be a bad thing it sent him back to the corner with a warning sign and just let him know listen as Barry pointed out he's not done yet this is not the point where you put your foot down this is not the point where you dig your toes into the canvas this is still a point where we keep moving we keep frustrating the champion and we make wait until he gets desperate before we roll the dice patience is very very hard though in a fight isn't it you know i mean these guys are warriors they they are they are built very differently uh, to the average man on the street and therefore when someone gives them a little bit of a clip or as maybe luke alluded to a little bit earlier on in the show with what happened in the fight at madison square garden that will still be in the back of aj's mind he will want to rubber stamp this but as barry said coolness is the key don't get greedy just get the victory and that, you know what in, in, in a crazy way that might actually help in regards to where this fight is the fact that we're out in Saudi Arabia there isn't a big Wembley crowd or a Cardiff crowd right behind AJ roaring them forward getting them getting them too excited and making them want to take chances okay I've won five rounds here let's go for a finish let's give this crowd something to sing about I think the, 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 the relatively neutral crowd, if you like, may just be helping them keep us cool, stick to the game plan. No one's demanding a finish right now. You know, everybody in this bar and everybody there I think just wants to see a great fight. And we want to see AJ come out of it victorious. He just needs to stick to what he's doing, stay relaxed in the corner, and keep frustrating Andy Ruiz. Because at some point, Andy Ruiz has got to start taking chances. At what point does Andy Ruiz, Barry, start to take chances? Because AJ seems in the fifth round, I mean, I was talking to Nick there, but he seems to have got back on his boxing. The lateral movement seems to have come back. These are the crucial rounds. The next three, four rounds, if he can get through them, are the most important rounds because he, can, he cannot afford to start exchanging with them. It's too early because Ruiz has enough left to hurt him and hurt him badly. So he's just got to keep that discipline. He's got to use his jab and win ugly. Ooh. He's got to win this fight. And if he wants to win it, he's got to keep as mobile as possible. I'm repeating him, starting to sound like a parrot. But that's what he's got to do. Yeah. Luke, from Andy Ruiz's point of view, I mean, he had a bit of success at the end of the fourth. I don't think it was enough to win the round. Yeah. He's lost all five rounds here. Yeah. At what point does he put his foot down and say, listen, I've got to go now? Well, you know, him and his team might have, might have come up with a plan of, listen, he's going to move around for the first few rounds that's okay the matter um let's tire him out you know he's a big fella can, how long can he keep moving for before he starts standing and holding his feet 
you know, so they might be expecting this to happen. Yeah. So they'll probably plan to start putting more and more pressure on as the fight goes on because Joshua's wasting a lot of energy, a lot of movement by moving around. Can he do that for 12 rounds? It's a big ask. It is a big ask, and it's alien to him because he's used to putting guys away. He's not done yeah. this before. This is going to obviously test the trust between him and Rob McCracken at some point, isn't it? Because he's got to keep believing in what Rob's told him to do, hasn't he? Of course, yeah. You know, the only person that you know you have faith in is your coach in your corner, and you know, you, whatever he tells you to do, you, you go out and do it. You know, and you have faith in what he's telling you to do as well. Good exchange there. Lovely little bit of exchange there as well. But again, AJ on his bike coming out the back door there, Nick. He can't, as Barry's just said, and as Luke's just said. He can't stick his feet into the canvas to bend them toes. He, he, this is not the time to be doing that at this moment. No, it isn't. And, you know, the biggest concern, of course, is, is historically AJ. In all the fights where he's gone past six rounds, where he's done 10, 11 or 12 rounds, he's always had that moment where his, where his energy levels seem to flatline and he becomes so vulnerable. And maybe that's what Team Ruiz have looked at. Listen, we'll come in really heavy. And we'll basically sponge, we'll take a lot of his shots, but we'll make him work, 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 work. Then when he does need that blow, when he does, when the gasket does temporarily blow out around seven, eight, nine, that's when we step on him, that's when we put the foot down. It's up to AJ and the team and the work they've done behind the scenes to have alleviated that by getting rid of that moment, you know, and we need to see it. If he can keep his pace going, I think he can keep dancing through these rounds and, and locking them up and, we, and we'll get a complete shutout. But mm. 8, 9, 10, that's when the big concern's going to come in. Beautiful display of left jab there and then quickly sprinting away, bouncing back. He, but he's got, you know, Manny Robles must be panicking like hell in the corner right now. You know, we're running out of time, Andy. You've got to close that gap down. You've got to make him engage with you. You've got to put him back to the ropes. They're really panicking at this stage because it's a shutout up to now. And, and Joshua's looking absolutely magnificent. Uh, we're through six rounds uh, in Saudi Arabia. Well, nearly through six rounds in Saudi Arabia. AJ just catching Andy Ruiz just... Uh, they're on the way in uh, with a nice short left. Um, we'll get a little bit of a halfway point at this moment in time, but I don't think any of us are going to have any disagreements, really. It seems uh, that Anthony Joshua has, uh, has claimed every single one of these rounds up until now. Just a little bit of a scare at the end of the fourth, uh, but nothing uh, too much to get excited about. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan. And we're more than welcoming of you a little bit later on in the show as well. Uh, once this is concluded, we will be taking your calls. If you want to talk about AJ, if you want to uh, speak to Luke about maybe getting that fight with Lenares on, that's what everybody's excited about. And I've no doubt that people will want to heap praise on Josh Taylor. Uh, he's our fighter, British fighter of the year. I'm sure Barry will uh, totally agree with that. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. So you're more than welcome to come uh, and speak about those things a little bit later on in the show here on TalkSport. Uh, 08717 is your telephone number. And we're over social media as well at TalkSport. Nick, just a quick one from you as well. Because I know that you've been obviously uh, keeping the colour going throughout the course of the fight. We're through six now. No disagreement with the boys there. Obviously, you believe that AJ's got them all signed, sealed and delivered at this moment in time. Where's the danger? Just to remind everybody for him now going into the second half of this fight. The danger is just running out of energy because so far he's done everything right. The footwork has been phenomenal and that's key. I think, you know, we, we remember the finishes from the fight in New York, but the critical thing in New York was Andy Ruiz's success going to the body. 
he smashed Joshua to the body throughout that fight. He found him so easy to hit to the torso. He slowed his legs right down, and that's how he was able to get the finish. I've not seen him land a decent body shot yet through six rounds. That, for me, has been the difference. AJ's just not there to be hit anymore. And that's the key thing, isn't it? He is a lot more mobile this yeah, time round, Barry. He, he, you, you know, back to the same old story, and it sounds like a broken record. Just do not stand in the one position, because that's the only time that Ruiz can hit you hard and hit you often mm. just keep going and now they're beginning to now Ruiz is beginning to really panic he's got to put his foot on the gas if he wants to pull this out of the bag Luke when you're coasting a fight like this you know you're six up what's going through your mind at this moment in time is it do the same for the second half of the fight or are you looking for a finish basically be honest you know, Luke. not just not switching off yeah. you know you, you're being focused you're doing a great job you're boxing lovely and it's just keeping that focus and not switching off because like you say this is the exciting part about boxing is it only takes one shot you know he's got not got to switch off he's got to stay on it but you know, it, it, for me, it is a shutout, Joshua's from one every round, but I still don't believe that Ruiz came here thinking that he could probably win on points. Yeah. I just don't believe him and his team thought they could get it on points. Yeah. So, Nick, the, I mean, these are the key rounds now, aren't they? I mean, Barry and Luke have said that throughout the course of it. Seven, eight, and nine, this is yeah. where it's at. You've talked about uh, the physicality of Joshua. This is traditionally where maybe there is that energy dump. But this is also as well where... Last time out, that seventh round, this is where Andy Ruiz had his success and maybe as Luke has just been alluding to, Manny Robles, the trainer of Andy Ruiz, has gone, right, OK, second half of the fight, we're going to give the first half away because we know he's coming lighter. We're putting our foot down now. Yeah, it's a completely different fight. There's a completely different, you know, Andy Ruiz, I believe, is finding himself in a fight that he was half expecting in New York City. I think he was half expecting AJ to be this good when they first met at Madison Square Garden. They're getting exactly the very best of Anthony Joshua tonight. And I think they've got, they've, they've got to have gambled on the fact that he will slow down at some point. But right now, all being well, all I'm seeing at the moment is Andy Ruiz load up on shots and miss and then getting hit with straight shots. He's chasing shadows, and he's going to be getting tired and frustrated. He is starting to close that gap, though, slightly, and I don't know whether that is because he's put his foot down or whether AJ's slowing down a touch, Barry. What's your, what's your first thoughts on that? I think it's a, bit, it's a bit of both, really. I also think that Ruiz is gambled, and his gamble hasn't paid off so far. He's come in with that extra weight in the hope that he could, he could get to... Joshua, get him to engage, but it's worked against him. Now he's got a real uphill battle. We're in round seven, and uh, he's exchanged a few times there and landed a few shots, but he's miles behind. He's got to get on, though. he's got to track him, got to stop him, and got to hit him. I know that a lot of fight fans won't like me saying this, but what, I'm, what I am actually liking of AJ, when Ruiz is shutting that gap and he's getting close on that inside, he's looking to tie him up straight away because he doesn't want to be exchanging on the inside there. Use your big physicality, get on top of him, because that plays a part as well, weighing down on a big man. Yeah, 100%. You know, if he comes in, grab him, tie him up, turn him, put him back on the ropes, and then take the centre of the ring again, and that's, he's doing that perfectly. You know, I don't think I've seen Ruiz throw more than two shots in this whole fight. You know, so he's really got to put the pressure on Joshua to get any success. It does worry me every time the exchange punches. It does worry me because uh, Ruiz seems to be stunning him when he's fighting at close range. But, you know, there's seven in a row now. Really excellent performance from Anthony Joshua. Shut out so far. We're through seven rounds. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport. It is absolutely booming.
uh, here in the Redwood Sports Bar. As you can hear in the background, they've just started to chirp up again. The, the crowd is starting to sense that Anthony Joshua is on the verge of becoming a two-time world champion. Listen, it's a little bit early. The championship rounds are still to come. And now we're in that stage of eight, nine and ten where Anthony Joshua traditionally, that energy dump does come. But demeanor-wise, Nick, as you're looking it to him, we've mentioned laser light focused all the way through this. He does. I mean, we can't, we're not privy to what's being said in the corners at this moment in time and what he's saying back and forth with Rob McCracken. But in his eyes and the way he's carrying himself, he seems absolutely focused on the job. And he's not deviating. No, he knows He knows it only takes one shot for Mandy Ruiz. It was one shot in the last fight that completely rocked his equilibrium and he was never able to recover from it. So we're seven rounds up now. The atmosphere in the bar has changed now. Everybody's up. People are singing again. People are going back to the bar and ordering drinks again. <laughs> Everyone's relaxed because we can all see he's seven rounds up now. So Andy Ruiz needs either a couple of knockdowns or he needs a stoppage to win this fight. Points-wise, it's in the bag. It's just about AJ now. Keep doing what he's doing. Keep that length and don't mix it up. For me, I thought the seventh round, the last round, that was Andy Ruiz's best round. He didn't win the round, but he was able to get AJ involved in a couple of mix-ups in the middle of the ring. Mm. We don't want to see that anymore. Go back on your bike. Just spend the round just jabbing. Just get Ruiz back to being frustrated again. Because he went back to his corner then. I think Manny Robles probably thought, he's going now. This is when we're going to get him. He's starting to stand and trade with us. This is when we're going to get him. Perfect round for AJ to throw nothing but just a jab and move the feet. Uh, do stick with us here on TalkSport. Lots still to come. Uh, we're here for a few hours, obviously, picking the bones out of this fight once it's all over. And we would love you to come and join us. 087 It's fight night on TalkSport from the Redwood Sports Bar in London Bridge. Um, Adam Catro, Nick Pete, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan with us. You're more than welcome to come and talk to the boys as well. Obviously, Luke got big plans for 2020. Um, I've no doubt he'll tell you all about him and who he wants to knock out. And uh, obviously, uh, with Barry... Working extremely closely uh, with Josh Taylor. We've already voted him as our TalkSport British Fighter of the Year. In fact, we'll probably upgrade that to not just British Fighter of the Year. I think he's uh, absolutely stolen the show this year with some fantastic performances in the World Boxing Super Series. Um, and we're therefore going to wax lyrical a little bit later on about Josh's year, no doubt, as well. Um, just what's going on. I just missed that. What's going on at this moment in time, Luke? Is uh, the referee's giving both men a little bit of a talking to? Yeah, I mean, I think it was on a, someone hit on a clinch, like to the body, and obviously Joshua wasn't happy about it, so the referee brought them both in and, and had a chat with them both. Handbags. Handbags. Yeah, exactly. It's a fight. Let them fight. <laughs> uh, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan alongside myself and Nick Pete tonight here on TalkSport. Anthony Joshua, uh, we're about a minute remaining of the eighth round, and through seven has been absolutely bang on. However, there's a little bit of tickle going on now in the eighth round as both men decide to exchange. AJ, for some reason, has locked his feet up and decided to trade it, Nick. They're getting involved. This is what Andy Ruiz has been waiting for. AJ to slow down and stop planting his feet and getting involved. AJ throwing a lot of hooks now when he should just be throwing that jab and moving those feet. Get back on your bike and just feed him that jab. This is what Andy Ruiz has been waiting for, though. This moment when AJ tries to exchange with him, tries to swing and starts leaving himself open to counter hooks. Mm. Um, we saw how much tactics play in these big heavyweight fights. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz have a little bit of a scrap. Deontay Wilder losing every single round before he landed that big bomb. He was patient. That's what Anthony Joshua needs to be at this moment in time, doesn't he? he? He's just taken one right on the whiskers. 
here in the eighth round there's around about 10 seconds of the eighth round but again Nick he's deciding for some reason to trade I don't know whether that is a conscious decision or whether it's just a fatigue thing Barry just, he's just getting tired all those big muscles you know he's an he's a incredible athlete but when you move around and be under tension for all that time your body begins to fatigue and your muscles begin to fatigue so he is beginning to tire he's been boxing absolutely majestically up to now but he is beginning to tire he was hit a couple of times hard in that round he's got to keep his discipline Luke, just regarding that there, again, he's been absolutely impeccable, hasn't he, for such a long period of time of this yeah. fight. But that was the big question as we were coming into this. It was all about his conditioning. Can he do it for 12 rounds? Because if he can do that, like he did in the first and the 12th round, he's coasted it. That, but here we go. That, for me, was obviously Ruiz's best round. You know, he's, I see, I see, he was very smart there. I seen Joshua jabbed him and then went in to grab him and then pulled out. And then he did the same thing again. And then when he went to grab him, he shoved him off and hit him with the combination. Yeah. So he's going to be looking to grab a little bit more because the rounds are going on. So Ruiz was smart the way he did that then. Uh, ninth round just about to begin. Boys, just a quick one. Did you give that one to Ruiz there in that final round? No? I haven't given no. a round to Ruiz. He, his... he, he, uh, he made it interesting in round eight. And, you know, maybe because he's a champion now and because he's been aggressive, they'll give him some of the rounds. But I think... It's a shutout so far for Joshua. Okay, we're into the ninth round. 30 seconds that ninth round gone. We'll get Barry uh, McGuigan and Luke Campbell to give us a little bit of a dissection of this round as well. But as we're saying, Nick, this is where it starts to get interesting. We kind of knew this before the fight. If we yeah. were all to sit down and say, right, how's this going to play out? Where's AJ going to be in trouble? You would probably say from 7-8 onwards. And it's kind of starting to look like that. I'm not saying he's in an awful amount of trouble this moment in time, but he has started, no, no, quite noticeably, he's started to slow down. Well, exactly, his, his, his plant his feet a lot more now. You know, his, as Barry said, the, that lactic acid is bearing up in his muscles. Now he needs he needs the 10th round now. I think we're on a, we're on a race to the 10th round, because I think once you do 10 rounds, the final two, you can see the end then. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And you can survive the last two rounds. These are the most dangerous times now. This round and the next round, absolutely. For me, I thought Ruiz won the last round, those with those eye catching flurries aj did look hurt at one point for me he can't mix it up here look at andy ruiz now he looks fresh as a daisy he looks like the fight's just started for ruiz yeah he's, he's zero focused in he's looking to land big punches this is critical now that aj keeps those feet going stop hooking just throw a straight jab a little right hand to the belly and away you go that's what he's got to do now is keep mobile let's get to that 10th round but look at ruiz it's changed it feels like the 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 prey has become the predator if you like it's switch round Ruiz looks like he's looking to land something big and now AJ's eyes are wide open and he knows he's been hit and he can't afford to be hit again one thing that I noticed that Luke said a couple of moments ago when when AJ is looking to tie him up he's finding it a lot easier to, sh to shrug him off and then hit him on that break uh, I'm talking Andrew Ruiz towards Anthony Joshua now. Of course, well, Joshua's fatigued now, the bodies are sweaty now, it's easier to wriggle him away, and I think Ruiz has kind of figured out the little patterns that Joshua's uh, found himself falling into, you know, throwing a jab, looking to hold. Ruiz is timing that now and looking to slip out of there and throw quick counter hooks. Luke, with, when you're so far ahead like this, and it's quite obvious that you are slowing down and the other guy's having a little bit more success, what's the thought process? What's the thought process? Because Anthony Joshua there has just landed a wonderful uppercut and then got greedy. And I've just heard Barry in the background, and I'm sure everybody heard that as well. No, what are you doing? Why are you but getting greedy? You, you can see the confidence oozing off him now. You know, he's got he's, he's in there with a smile on his face, moving, boxing. You, 
he's had it all his own way. You know, I, I think Joshua's uh, fitness, uh, his conditioning, I think he's fine because he hadn't had to do anything he didn't he, ha he hasn't had to you know he's had it all his own way uh, tactically he's been brilliant yes. from Ooh. start to finish he's been absolutely yeah. brilliant been, I, I, interesting that Nick thought that um, Ruiz won round eight but uh, you know and you may give it to him because he, he caught him a few more punches but um, I think Joshua's just boxing absolutely beautiful he's keeping things as mobile as possible he's keeping them off balance he never lets them square up Every time he squares up to, to exchange with him, he's grabbing him, holding him, he's off to the side. So they've got their toxic spots on. Spot on is six more minutes. Six more minutes of discipline. Ten, nine. Nine more minutes. Nine we're more going minutes. into the tenth. Yeah, we're, we're never very good at counting. Yeah. <laughs> going into uh, the tenth round in a moment or two. But again, gentlemen, just a quick one on that because I only caught half the round. Again, AJ's round, he looked beautiful there at the back yeah, end of the yeah, round, catching him nicely. Yeah, he's, he's in control. Like I say, like... He's getting very, you can see the confidence oozing off him and, you know, he don't want to get too confident because, like you say, it only takes that one shot to, lose it, to lose it all. Early in the first round, Ruiz was cut. The cut man seems to have done a wonderful job there, but in that last round, it did start to open up again. Will that be playing on his mind, Barry, coming into these championship no, no, rounds? He's, he's what's playing on his mind is he knows he's way behind okay. and he's running out of time. And that extra weight he's put on is not helping him because he can't track Joshua as quickly. He's slower getting through the ring and it's played right into Joshua's hands because he's able to he's able to get out of the way. But you know you can never write Ruiz off, and he can land one of those big bludgeoning punches at any time. It's going to be those punches and bunches on the inside, isn't it? And all that AJ has to do now for nine minutes, Nick, is stay on his bike, surely. Run. <laughs> Run. Leg it. I, I thought AJ had a really good ninth round before he turned the tables back, and that would have broke the heart a little bit of, uh, of Andy Ruiz after having like, such a good eighth round to then lose the ninth round the way he did. He just wasn't able to nail down AJ like he was the round before. And then, you know, critically now, we're in the 10th round. I think if AJ can get through this round unscathed as well, then it really will be. You've got two rounds to go. Ruiz is a mile behind. He's got to take massive chances. And, and as crazy it sounds right now, because when AJ lands a big shot, it's not really having much impact on Ruiz. He's taken big shots, big right hands, and he's, he's not really been hurt by anything, apart from the cut early on in the fight. But when he lands cuff and hooks, you still see AJ wobble a little bit, you still see his legs straight and he just seems yeah. to be like, for a brief second, panic station. So I want him, get, I want him to get through this 10th round. Let's get into the championship rounds when the end is in sight and then we can coast then, then we can get on our bike because it doesn't matter now. He's a mile ahead on the scorecards. He doesn't need to get involved. He's going to get his hand raised in about seven, seven minutes. He's just got to keep Ruiz at bay. Keep frustrating him. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport from the Redwood Sports Bar uh, on London Bridge and I've just seen uh, a gentleman who uh, has maybe been in here all afternoon. I think he's enjoyed the bar a little bit too much. He actually looks like he's taken an Anthony uh, Joshua right hand to the head. He was staggering all over the gap. His mate was holding him up. I think he's just uh, coaxing him in the direction of the uh, the gentleman's uh, toilet area and maybe to uh, maybe to get rid of some of that alcohol that he's taking in throughout the course of the afternoon. He looked in a right state, did the young man. Anyway, uh, fight night on TalkSport here from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. I'm Adam Cattle, Nick Peter alongside me, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan brilliantly uh, alongside us as well, just keeping an eye on what's going on in Saudi Arabia. We're about 30 seconds left of the 10th round and uh, by all accounts from all four of us here watching this and I'm sure you watching this at home and tuning into TalkSport with us throughout the course of this I've absolutely Anthony Joshua in a bit of a shutout that he's absolutely walking away with it but 
This is heavyweight boxing, Nick. It only takes one shot. We saw that in the last fight. This 10th round with 10 seconds to go has been absolutely punch perfect from Anthony Joshua. For the first time now, I'm starting to see Andy Ruiz look like he's down tools. He's run out of ideas. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to put the ring down anymore. As Barry said, that extra weight's obviously slowing him down now as well. But now, it, it, from what I can see now, only a lottery punch can save Andy Ruiz because this, he's a beaten man sitting in that corner now. Manny Robles has got to try and motivate him to go for the next two rounds. I'll tell you what, Robert McCracken will look at AJ and he'll see how bright he is, how fresh he is, and they'll think, right, we've got this in the bag now. Don't be surprised if you see AJ maybe step forward now and maybe even push for the finish himself because Ruiz is gone. Barry... He looks like he's got a second wind there, AJ. In that yeah. round, he looks a lot lighter. Well, he's, you know, at any stage in a, in a championship fight, particularly in the, in the last third of the fight, you're going to start to tire, you're going to start to flag, and that might last a round, master, like, might last a round and a half, but you'll get your second win, and it seems to me that he has got his second win. But again, I just want to warn you, you cannot write Andy Ruiz off. All it takes is two seconds of an exchange and it could be could turn the thing completely so he's got to be disciplined use that jab and keep on the move luke when you see the board go up for the 11th round talk to me about the psychology in your head you know you've only got six minutes to do yeah exactly you know you've you've done 85 percent of the fight and you know you're then two more rounds come on let's dig deep now and let's get a good finish let's stay switched on stay focused you know and, and do it, and that's exactly what he's doing, he's boxing lovely. Um, you know, it's not the most crowd-pleasing fight, but from another boxer watching this fight, I can really appreciate the skill from uh, and the boxing ability, what um, what I'm watching with Joshua. Talk to me about the, fr from his point, psych psychologically, from that first fight to what you're seeing right at this moment in time, it takes some serious cojones to be delivering what he's delivering right now, doesn't it? This is boxing. This is what he's doing. He's just boxing, and, and that's what he's doing. In the first fight, he was just heavy leg, standing still, uh, throwing a single jab and, and not really and running out of ideas. Now he's switched on with his footwork, he's making him miss. He's really on it, and he's boxing lovely. He is. Um, we're into the 11th round. Uh, halfway through it as well, I'm, I've got to say, Nick, looking at this, I didn't know Anthony Joshua had this type of performance in him. With the lateral movement is what I'm saying. He's obviously worked extremely hard up in Sheffield with his team in coming up with a plan for Andy Ruiz. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And I, and I think, you know, let's not look past the fact that he came into this fight psychologically damaged. After what happened to him in, in New York, you know, he wasn't the same fighter. You know, he would have got away and looked at himself, give himself a, a cold, hard look in the mirror and questioned about whether this is for him, you know, and where he wanted to be from here. And to come back and put this kind of performance in under this kind of pressure, let's not forget who Anthony Joshua is. He's the, you know, he's one of the poster boys of world boxing. He's the poster boy of British boxing. He's got blue chip sponsors. He's, you know, he's the bedrock of Matchroom Sports and Sky Sports and their whole, their whole boxing coverage. He is the main guy at the tip of the tip of the iceberg. So, and, and he's a nice guy. He's a yeah. real nice guy, and he's a poster boy for British boxing. And he's the world heavyweight, was the world heavyweight champion. I, maybe a bit of a Freudian slip there. I want him just to keep boxing. He's, what has been so significant about him tonight was he is alert from, mo from the moment the bell rings to the moment the bell rings for the end of the round. He's been alert 100% and his mobility, and you talk about lateral movement, his legs are what have worked brilliantly for him up to now. Beautiful, his footwork, he's shown another element to his boxing game. We never thought 
thought he could do this. He's been up on his toes like Muhammad Ali. Now his hands are a bit low. Please get them up. <laughs> but he's bopping beautifully. You know? He is. Talk to me about Ruiz, Luke, because this type of performance from AJ, he seems to beat a man. I mean, he's got three minutes now to, yeah. to retain his world title until the 11th round finishes. Well, switching back to the first fight, it looked like where Joshua didn't have any answers. Now in the second fight, Ruiz has no answers. You know, where where Joshua didn't know what to do in the first round. This fight and the way he's been fighting, it's been like a walk in the park for him. You know, he's boxing lovely, he's not getting hit, he's not taking any punishment, he's doing what he wants at his own pace, at his own leisure. And um, Andy Ruiz has, has zero answers. And it's a lovely display of boxing. Look at the smile, look at the smile on Luke's face there. He's enjoying lovely. every moment of it. <laughs> uh, you, know, you make decisions and uh, coming close to the fight, we were told that he was going to come in light. Uh, Ruiz, not heavy, and yes. then he gets on the scales and he's 15 pounds heavier. That is a fundamental mistake that he's made because his tracking is not as quick as it could be and he's now miles behind and he's got three minutes to pull this out of the bag and it looks very unlikely he's going to be able to do it. Three minutes. We are three minutes away, surely, from seeing Anthony Joshua crowned the two-time heavyweight champion of the world. And not only that, a two-time unified heavyweight champion of the world. A lot of people can fluke it a first time. You don't fluke it a second time, do you, Nick? No, absolutely not. And this is, you know, this, this is the way you should have approached the first fight, of course. It's easy to say that now in hindsight, but, you know, every opponent at this level deserves your utmost respect, whether he's a late standing or not. And AJ took his eye off the ball in New York. That's evident now. You know, he didn't approach the fight right. He didn't give the Ruiz the respect he deserved. But I'll tell you what, he's given Ruiz the respect he deserves tonight. And look what he's done. It's been an absolutely faultless performance. He's used his size, his physical attributes, his boxing ability to completely and utterly overwhelm Andy Ruiz. And so far, so good. Just stay on his bike now. See these last three minutes out. And Britain gets a two-time heavyweight champion of the world. Phenomenal. Uh, the atmosphere here in the Redwood Sports Bar is just starting to pick up. I think the crowd is starting to sense uh, that Anthony Joshua could be being crowned uh, a two-time champion. But as we say that, he digs his toes in, Luke. He just fancies a little bit of a tear-up, doesn't he? He does, yeah. But you know what? I've, I've not seen Ruiz take one risk. I've not seen him go in and try and fire any combinations or take any little risk whatsoever. You know, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit surprised by that, but Joshua is making it making it very difficult for him to do that. Um, we're about halfway through the final round, uh, according to the boys here on our, all our cards. Uh, Anthony Joshua is on the verge of an absolute shutout as he uh, hopes to reclaim uh, those belts. And unless we've got some crazy scorecards, let's not be let's not be kidding ourselves. We've got some <laughs> crazy scorecards of recent times, haven't we? Um, but I doubt very much that we're going to get some crazy scorecards in this as Andy, uh, Anthony Joshua heads towards uh, becoming a two-time heavyweight world champion and sets up a fantastic narrative for. Uh, the year ahead of course it does because AJ's back in the mix now and after such a one-sided performance like this what I love about this performance is every club coach in the country should be sitting down all the amateurs now at their, at their gyms at their clubs making them watch this fight and say now that's why we do footwork drills week after week after week because your feet ultimately decide how far your career goes it's so important to get your footwork right mm. as a boxer as AJ's proved tonight he's left Andy Ruiz chasing shadows for 12 rounds purely down to his footwork so what you're saying is that up and down the country and all the ABC's they'll be doing Rocky Balboa Apollo Creed in the mirror is that footwork what you're saying drills all week every week a bit of hearts on fire going on in the background bit of, skip, bit of skipping rope 
Um, we are into the final 20 seconds of round 12. Anthony Joshua has been absolutely majestic out in Saudi Arabia. And this is the first time, really, that Andy Ruiz has tried to put his foot down and, and said, let's have a bit of a go. But there's no point in doing that in the final throws of the fight. Andy Ru Anthony Joshua doesn't need to engage. Anthony Joshua, surely now, as this fight wow. concludes, has just become the heavyweight champion of the world for the second time. A sensational performance out in Saudi Arabia where he's boxed the ears out of the heavyweight champion Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz never really got a look in. A little bit of success at the end of the fourth, a bit of success in those middle rounds, but those rounds were only competitive. Joshua Barry was absolutely sensational yeah, from start we, to finish. We saw an element, a new element uh, to his boxing that we have never seen before. He's boxed magnificently. He's outboxed this guy from start to finish. His mobility on his feet was ex outstanding. And, uh, you know, he's been disciplined the whole way through it. And uh, I, I think he's regained the title with a lopsided decision. It's a fantastic performance. Anything, anything other than a lopsided decision is going to be crazy, isn't it? Because he boxed his ears off. Yeah, I mean, like, you could give him one round out of that, maybe. Um, but other than that, it was a complete shutout. And it's, it's like, as me and Barry was saying before the fight started of what he needed to do, he did actually do what we said for him to do. And he, yeah. did it, he executed the game plan marvellously and, and it, it was a shutout when you put a performance in like that where you box somebody's ears off for 12 rounds is it more satisfying than when you maybe catch him cold in the first couple of rounds because it's more clinical I feel this way around where where people can then just can, the narrative off the back of it is that he was absolutely head and shoulders above him in class rather than hitting him with a lucky punch well no no I mean uh I wasn't listening to your question. I was too busy <laughs> looking at the celebrations before the decision. Obviously, they feel that they've won the fight, and I would be gobsmacked if he doesn't. Um, ask me the question again. Adam. I was saying, is it more satisfying boxing somebody's ears off for 12 rounds? I mean, being absolutely outclassing somebody rather than catching gold and knocking well, out the There's first. nothing like a knockout. You know, you want, everybody wants a knockout. And you could see a couple of times during the, the last, the closing rounds, where he wanted to land at the right hand. You thought, oh, don't get involved. Get back on, the, on your toes again. And, it, you know, it's not as satisfying to win on points. But winning is what it's all about. And tonight he's won yeah. absolutely spectacularly. Beautiful boxing skills. Never seen a move that like that before. Now that's another piece to his ability as a fighter. We knew he could fight. We knew he could knock people out. And here we go to the scorecard. So I better shut up. No, not at all. You keep talking. That's what you're here for, buddy. You can say as much as you want. Obviously, Michael Buffer is about to read those cards out this moment in time. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport. Uh, from Redwood Sports Bar uh, on London Bridge. I'm Adam Cattrall, Nick Peter alongside me, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan. Uh, we've been bringing you an exclusive screening here at the Redwood Sports Bar of Ruiz Joshua 2. And as you can hear in the background, the crowd are going absolutely crazy because winner by unanimous decision and now a two-time unified heavyweight champion of the world, Anthony Joshua. Nick absolutely sensational it was a genius performance yeah i think he was absolutely majestic tonight he proved to everybody what he's all about he proved that he can put new york behind him he went into that fight all wrong in new york he's coming to this fight zero focused absolutely give andy ruiz or probably more respect than he actually deserved to be honest with you i think ruiz will go away 
now uh, uh, will he be see Ruiz even bounce back you know there's a lot of questions going in this fight about Ruiz's size and people questioning whether he'd gone away and he'd let the fame go to his head and maybe relax too much ate a little bit too much drank a little bit too much and whether he was going to be the same fight and he told us all fight week no I'm not I'm still as hungry as ever I'm still going to be there but he achieved his dreams. He beat Anthony Joshua against all the odds. He became the undisputed champion of the world, Mexico's first ever champion. And we've seen him kissing babies and shaking hands with presidents ever since. His desire didn't seem to be there. As Luke said, there wasn't any point where he went, you know what? I am a mile behind. I'm going to go out on my shield. I'd rather get. Most fighters will go, you know what? And miles behind, I'd rather get knocked out than lose wide on points. So I'm just going to take a chance and throw everything but the kitchen sink. And at no point did Andy Ruiz do that. But and you know, Nick, I don't think he could do it. No. I, don't think, I don't think his legs could, were actually working well enough tonight to be able to close Joshua down. Let's hand it to Joshua yeah. and, uh, and his coach, Robert McCracken. They put on, you know, they, they come up with a fantastic a tactical plan and he carried it out to a tee. Absolutely beautifully. And it was a simple plan, but he had to stick to it and had to be disciplined. And that's what he showed. And it was just, we've said it three or four times, majestic, spectacular performance. Showed another element to him that we had never seen before. Absolutely brilliant and fair juice to him. Fantastic. Fair play to him as well for taking the loss and the defeat in New York and learning from it and coming back and putting in a performance like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like, there was a lot of people doubting him to take the rematch straight away. So, you know, that showed you there what Anthony Joshua was all about. He, he lost his belts in New York. He took the rematch straight away, got it back on, come back with a dominant performance uh, and box class. I'm, I'm so happy for him. I was one of those people who thought he wouldn't be able to be disciplined enough to keep on the outside that he would eventually be dragged into the into the center of the ring but he proved me wrong and he proved hundreds of, oh. of, of people wrong that's a magnificent performance and you know absolutely utmost respect to him it's wonderful he's a lovely young man he's great for the game he's handsome he's a bad boy <laughs> turned good yeah. he's got everything going for him and I'm, I you know I couldn't be more delighted there's got, there's, more delighted. there's got to be something negative about it I'm going to look into it I'm going to look into yeah. it there's got to be something there's got to be something <laughs> uh, listen he was absolutely sensational tonight and he rightfully he's taking the full adulation uh, of what is going out in Saudi Arabia at this moment in time listen I know that obviously Saudi Arabia is uh, wanting to get more involved in these big nights in, in sport and what have you and as Nick alluded to in a little bit of that conversation of which you agreed to Barry maybe with, with it not being at Wembley or at Cardiff it kind of played into AJ's favour a little bit tonight that he could just keep ice cold and keep on with the game plan but for me I kind of would have loved this to have been at Wembley or at yeah. Cardiff or something well, like that no I, I think I think this could not have been better it, when you think of hindsight's a great thing yeah of course and we can see all the things that we you know that we maybe speculated about we thought wouldn't happen but he you know the bottom line is the performance he put on tonight the versatility that we've never seen this before we saw him do a little bit of boxing in the park of fight but never move like that he was like muhammad ali moving around around the ring sometimes his hands weren't as low but he was he was disciplined he was tactically 
on point from start to finish. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely sensational. Um, we're obviously going to continue this conversation speaking a little bit more about Anthony Joshua in a moment or two we'll delve into the undercard as well because earlier on obviously uh, Dillian White uh, was in action as was Michael Hunter and Alexander Povetkin we'll go through that and don't forget we've got a fight in the early hours of the morning to look forward to as well with Chris Eubank Jr fighting on against Matt Korobov and with us having obviously Luke alongside us he's going to tell us how many lightweights he's going to spank next year that's what we're going to get stuck into yeah. uh, so make sure you stick around for that uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talksport here from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. Adam Cattrall, Nick Pete, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan all alongside you on a night when Anthony Joshua has become a two-time unified heavyweight champion of the world. Breathe it in. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> there you go. Maybe that's a little bit of pizza that I just decided to get stuck into. Uh, I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Peter alongside me, Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan. We're, of course, uh, going to be hearing from Anthony Joshua very, very shortly as he's just been addressing the crowd out in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and uh, we'll hopefully hear from Andy Ruiz as well, <clears throat> who has just lost uh, his heavyweight championships to Anthony Joshua. Uh, the cards, by the way, which I didn't mention earlier, uh, two of 118, 110, uh, followed by a 119 and 109. Very hard not to disagree with that. They were absolutely bang on there. I mean, we could even have gone 120, couldn't we? But that, yeah, you give him I two mean, rounds, one round, you can't argue with that, Luke. Coming in as a champion, you give him one or two rounds max. You know, I'd have given him one now myself. 
you know, so it's, you can't argue with that all. It, I mean, it was a dominating performance from Joshua, so that's all you can ask for. I know we'll allude to the fact that maybe we're slightly disappointed that the champion didn't <coughs> have more of a go, but as Barry pointed out, it was very difficult for him to have a go with the way that Anthony approached the fight, Barry. It was, it was a polar opposite Anthony Joshua to the one that we saw in June in Madison Square Garden. He stood and had a fight. He wanted to knock the kid out. The worst thing that could have happened with was that right uppercut left hook. Because once Ruiz dropped to the floor, he thought, I've got him. And he made a mistake. And he, you know, he paid the price for that. But, you know, he showed tonight that he's learned from his mistakes. And that takes a lot of, you know, a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work, a lot of mental acceptance to know that I've got to change my game. I've got to up my game. I've got to introduce something that I've never done before yeah. and be disciplined and hold it, hold it for those 12 rounds. And that's exactly what he done. And Andy Ruiz, was, he just boxed the ears off him. And he never landed a, a decent shot. And the ones he did land was when Joshua was on the move and pulling away from them. So they didn't land with the same authority as the ones that landed in June in Madison Square Garden. So he boxed like, you know, impeccably, magnificently. And he showed us, as I say, another element him, and he has moved on and advanced as a fighter, as a human being, Anthony Joshua, and he's better for that loss. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it, Nick? Off the back of that, those developments to character, those developments to the game, because we've often accused him of being maybe one-dimensional and a one-trick pony, as we do with a lot of fighters. This guy's just added a couple of bolt-ons to his game. Yeah, I think it was always there, but I think when you... He's been moved on so quickly, and, and, and the opponents didn't really help. I'm not fighting someone like Charles Martin for a world title, fighting someone like Dominic Brazil in defences. These are second-rate heavyweights, in my opinion. These aren't guys that are really going to expand on your legacy or even bring out the best of you. You just turn up and you bomb fellas like that out of the game. And I think Joshua probably fell into a little bit of a hole of, I can just bomb everybody out, I'm just going to get massive. I'm just too big, and when I land, I, it's like a detonator. It goes off and it's game over. And I think Ruiz brought him back down to earth and made him remember, you know what? This, this game's not called knockout. This game is called boxing. Go back to your boxing and let's bring out the best of you. And I think you come out of this fight now saying, Andy Joshua's back in the mix of who's the, who is the best heavyweight on the planet. Prior to tonight, I was saying it's between Wilder and Fury. The winner of this fight, prior to the happening, the winner of this fight, I thought, is, is probably just a level below at the moment. But after a performance like that, a shutout, I'm, I'm so impressed again. I, I'm, I'm back. AJ's right back in that mix for me. Yeah, but what, what he showed on June the 1st, Adam, was I am human. I am vulnerable. And if you get hit upside the head by a guy that weighs 250 pounds, I don't care if your head is made of concrete. You're going to the floor. Yeah. And that's it. And he got hit so hard, so often. He said, tonight I'm not going to get hit. I'm going to be mobile. I'm going to use my feet. I'm going to box like Muhammad Ali. Well, I'll never be another Muhammad Ali. But I'm going to use my mobility and my skill and my footwork. And nobody's seen it. And, and, and I just think he's grown so much as a fighter. And again, to reiterate, as a human being. Because he's had to be humble. He's had to accept what's happened. He's been very understated. He just said, I'm just going to go back to the camp and I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to get myself in the sort of shape that I've never been in before. I'm going to do something I've never done before and I'm going to produce a performance. Luke, you, you've obviously known him through Team GB and going through the amateurs and the Olympics together. 
Was his character ever in doubt for you? You know, you or have no. you always known that he's a special type of human being? I've always known he's, he's had that character inside of him. He's had that great determination, you know, and that that fight. You know, he's got that worry inside of him. So I've always known that, and you know, it's for say don't these every lesson hurt is a lesson learned. Yeah. You know, and in that. Maybe that, that first fight he had with him could be the best thing is that that's ever happened. But it's okay saying that now, but before that performance from tonight, you know, you wouldn't have said that. But after that performance from tonight, you can say that could be the best thing that's ever happened in his career. Yeah. Because it switched him back on, it, it's brought out that hunger again, and, and how much he wants it. Well, let's, let's hear from... Let's not, sorry, Adam, Go. let's not forget... Muhammad Ali was beaten, Lennox Lewis was knocked out, Vladimir Klitschko was knocked out. They all had to suffer the humiliating defeats, but he's just come back with a vengeance. Absolutely. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I think it's only fair that we hear uh, from the new two-time heavyweight champion of the world. This is him speaking a couple of moments ago uh, to Andy from Sky Sports. I want to thank God. I want to say Bismillah. And then, <laughs> next, I want to say... Man, the first time was so nice, I had to do it twice. <laughs> talk us through the game plan, talk us through the fight, and how you carried it out. A man like me don't make no excuses. My boy Chizora said I can win this if I'm ready to D.I.E. And look, this is about boxing. I'm used to knocking guys out, you know what I'm saying? But last time I realized, hang on a minute, I hurt the man and I got caught coming in and I gave the man his credit. There was no excuses, right? But I said to myself, I'm gonna correct myself and come again. I respect Andy and his family, his trainers so much. I just wanted to put on a great boxing masterclass and also show the sweet science of this lovely sport. It's about hitting and not getting hit. One day when I release a book, I'll talk through my career. Listen, careers are all about experience. There's no losing, there's no winning. It's just about creating great memories in this game that we all love. I took my L and I bounced back. Anyone can do it. Life is a roller coaster. What do you want me to do? Give up. I hear certain man saying, oh, I should retire. I should retire. Come on, man. We love this sport. Andy, are you ready to retire? Are you ready to retire? Exactly. He's a warrior. He wants to go again. Please respect us. This is what we love to do. I respect Andy. Who wants to see the third fight? So let's ask that question. It's 1-1. Let's talk about the future. Would you do it again? Without a doubt. Listen. If you heard, we're going to do a third. <laughs> uh, Anthony Joshua there speaking to Sky Sports box office directly after uh, the fight and his victory against Andy Ruiz, insinuating that they might go at it again. I mean, I don't know about you, gentlemen. They've obviously, it's one apiece. Do you want to go again? I mean, look, uh, what we want to see as boxing fans is we want to see the fight with Tyson Fury. We want to see the fight with Deontay Wilder. There, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury are going to fight early part of 2020. Uh, and then we will have another fight for Joshua, another title on the line, hopefully. And uh, I, I think most boxing fans want to see a unified heavyweight title. And uh, in my opinion, look, I don't know how you feel about it. I'd like to see him fight the winner of Deontay Wilder and uh, um, Tyson Fury next. Yeah, I mean, for me as well, I mean, that's the ultimate. I mean, you, you know, there's all these other heavyweights and stuff like that, but 
we just want to make these big fights happen, the best facing the best. And I believe that the heavyweight, we've waited long enough to yeah. find out really who is the best, you know, and they're all talking a good game, but no one's actually fighting each other. And, you know, the promoters need to get together and make these big fights happen because we all want to know who the best is. The only problem is, as you boys have experienced in your own personal careers, politics gets in the way, doesn't it? And yeah, therefore, politics do get we'll in see the way. mandatory situations and various yeah. things like that. Yeah, but, but, but it's, it, boxing is an, an amazing sport, and we're up against other contact sports that are sometimes stealing our audiences because they do these unified fights, and we don't. And we really have got to get to the stage. The sport needs as many unified, unification fights as possible, particularly in the shop window of our sport, which is the heavyweight division. We all look up to these guys. They show us the way, so they've got to clear that all up. Very exciting, and we want to see a unified heavyweight champion as soon as possible. Amen. Of course, yeah, absolutely. In an ideal world, you know, we, we have we have one champion every weight division. That's the ultimate dream. But I think politically, right now, I think if we do get to see Wilder versus Fury two in February, AJ's got just got to remind the world that he's still the guy that does the biggest numbers. He's still the guy that puts the most bums on seats. That does the biggest pay per view. That generates. 70 million fighting in Saudi Arabia. Neither Fury or uh, Deontay Wilder managed to pull in those sort of crowds. He can't wait around for that fight to play out to see what happens next. Because if that, either way that fight goes, I can see the trilogy fight happening with Wilder and Fury at the back end of 2020, which means AJ's inactive for a year. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did make a third fight with Ruiz, purely down to the fact that, listen, Ruiz got the finish in the first fight, AJ's took him to school in the second fight but didn't get the finish I think it still sells as a third fight maybe yeah. in the UK maybe at Wembley in spring yeah. there's, a good, there's a good narrative there sorry Luke that's alright but I mean for me I just feel like that was such a one-sided yeah. dominant performance for me as a, as a boxer and a boxing fan I want them same fight someone else now. You know, I feel like the first fight, yet yeah, there was exchanging blows and, you know, someone got caught. And, and that's that's heavyweight boxing when you exchange punches and someone, one lands, you're going to get put out. Yeah. But that tonight was was boxing and that showed to me the levels between them both. Mm. And it was just a one-sided dominant performance and I'd love for them to go on and full face over fighters now. I mean, I think for Ruiz, I think there'll be a lot of other heavyweights out there that would want to face Rory to see what how they do against him compared to how Joshua boxing tonight. Good point. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. We're on location. We're at the Redwood Sports Bar in London Bridge. Lots still to talk about. Not only Anthony Joshua, a bit on the undercard as well. And then with our guests, uh, Barry McGuigan and Luke Campbell, no doubt speaking about uh, their journeys as well in the world of boxing. So make sure you stick with us for that. You listen to Talk Sport. Listen to Fight Night on TalkSport from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. I'm Adam Cattrall, Nick Peter alongside me. Luke Campbell and Barry McGuigan also with us uh, for a big night for British boxing because Anthony Joshua has been crowned the two-time unified heavyweight champion, beating Andy Ruiz in Saudi Arabia via uh, a unanimous decision. 118-110, 118-110, 109, uh, sorry, 119-109. Sensational from start to finish uh, from Anthony Joshua. We've already heard from him, but let's hear from the outgoing champion, Andy Ruiz, who spoke to Sky Sports box office a moment or two ago. It was his night, man. I think I think I didn't prepare as how I should have, and you know what? 
I gained too much weight, but I don't want to give no excuses. He won, he boxed me around, but you know what? If we do the third, the third fight, best believe I'm gonna get in best shape and I'm gonna be the best shape of my life. Apologies for the language. Was that key that you did come in too heavy? There was a lot of raised eyebrows at the weigh-in yesterday. How much of an effect did that have during the fight? You know what, it kind of affected me a lot. Um, I thought I was gonna feel stronger. I thought I was gonna be better, but you know what? I think next fight I'm gonna get more prepared. I'm gonna work with my team a little bit more. I try to train myself kind of for, for my last, for this preparation. Like I said, I don't wanna give no excuse. Anthony Joshua did a hell of a job, but I just wanna give thanks to God and to everybody in here in Saudi Arabia that was supporting. Did you feel that you were going to get to him as the fight was going on? You were chasing him and chasing him and chasing him. After the first fight, you knew you could hurt him. Did you think you were going to get to him? And how disappointed are you that you couldn't get there? Yeah, you know, I think I was chasing him too much. Instead of cutting the rings, I was hesitating too much. My, I, I felt my arms felt like I couldn't throw my combinations. But you know what? I know next time I'm going to do a lot better. But who wants to see the third trilogy fight right here? In Saudi Arabia, baby. Uh, the outgoing unified heavyweight champion of the world, Andy Ruiz. Interesting listening to him talk there about training himself and, yeah. and not getting himself into the best yeah, shape that, possible. Uh, that was unusual. I'm sure Manny Robles won't, will not be too happy about that. What, what he might be saying is that he was doing so many commitments and doing so many openings and various different events that he ended up spending most of his time training at late at night and often. And I understand that because I know what it was like after winning the world title myself. I had millions of things to do and you know places to be and everything else. So thank God I had my brother who we trained sometimes at 11 o'clock at night. We'd do 15 rounds on the pads, you know, but we were getting the rounds in, you know. And maybe that's what he's saying by, you know, not training properly. But, you know, that... That's, that's no excuse, is it, Jim? No, I mean, is it's, it, it's like, it's just you know, you've difficult. just been beat, like, one-sidedly, been beaten easy. Uh, you know, have a little bit of dignity. The last yeah. thing you come out and say is, well, I was training myself for the past... I don't want to make excuses, yeah. but... But, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that's just not, that's not good. That's not classy. That's, and there's no dignity in that. And I don't care how... how this is the biggest fight in your career. I don't understand how, how are you putting weight on. Yeah. Like, you're already, you know, a decent-sized guy. How are you putting more on top of that and training? You know, you're burning calories while you're training. How are you even putting more weight on? I, I think he just gambled. I just think he gambled. He thought, I'll be able to get this guy. I'll engage him. He'll engage me. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll run him down and I'll beat him up and knock him out. Yeah. But he, he just he gambled wrong because, you know, Joshua was on his game tonight really beautifully. His, the skills were fantastic. And he showed us a new element. It was magnificent, great to watch. And whilst it wasn't as exciting as the last fight, it was effective, you know. And it's about winning effectively, not about not about um, entertaining the fans. You've got to win first of all. Just that age old saying in boxing. I think Marvin Hagler came up with it first. Very hard to go out for your runs at 6 a.m. in the morning when you're getting out of bed wearing silk pajamas. <laughs> Maybe he had a case of that. <laughs> put, on, put on some old pyjamas today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do what AJ does, sleep in a, a bed sit in Sheffield. That's well, what you should well, be that's doing. It, you know, and this was the, the big thing coming out of it. Listen, AJ never does tongues and media anyway. But for this camp, it was even less. 
you know, this camp, we literally got one afternoon in Sheffield. Everyone was assigned to just 10 minutes. There's been no insight into the camp. The social media has gone right off the boil. He was literally camped away, squirreled away, just working on that performance, getting those fitness levels up, drilling that game plan. He approached this fight like you've got to approach every fight. When you're the biggest fish in the pond, when you've got the biggest targets on your back, when you're the money man in the division, you've got to take every fight seriously because yeah. everyone's after your scalp. And he learned the lesson in New York. And I think now he can push on from here and move on because let's say he wins in New York and let's say he goes straight into a fight with Deontay Wilder with the same mentality he had in New York. He gets knocked out in sensational fashion. Maybe he never comes back from it because... The performance that the Anthony Joshua that turned up in New York City, who was so slow and sluggish and easy to hit, would have got knocked out by Deontay Wilder. And I think this Anthony Joshua now has been reminded that his strength in his boxing, his strength in his all-round ability, this is a box, this the whole game is boxing. It's about master mastering it as an art. It's the sweet science. And tonight class was in session. It is interesting when there is a bump in the road sometimes for these top-class athletes. You mentioned a few before, the Klitschko's of this world, even the Muhammad Ali's of this world, and the Lennox Lewis is the one that springs to mind. Joe mind. Lewis, you know, there's so many of them. But then they know, go on to be even better after that, it. That's what it is. It's about how you deal with adversity, how you deal with disaster, and how you turn your career around. And, you know, everybody's human. And, and let me tell you something. He's vulnerable. We know he's been knocked out and yeah. he can be knocked out again. It's just to acknowledge that and therefore set your game out so that it doesn't happen. You minimise the risk and that's what he done tonight. It wasn't as exciting as the last one, but it was a complete and utter shutout because he used his intelligence and he never walked into punches when he thought, oh, I've got this guy going, I'm going to run in and knock him out. This time he was clever and he used his intelligence. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, you can hear the voices of Luke Campbell, Barry McGuigan, Nick Pete, and myself, Adam Catterall. And I'll tell you something, I think it's only further we get some more elite-level boxers on the show. Feel free to join in with the conversation here, boys, yep. uh, because I believe from uh, New Zealand. Is he in New Zealand at the moment? Joseph Parker's on the show. Joseph, welcome to the show. Well done. Um, obviously, you've been in with both of these gentlemen previously. Joe, always great to speak to you. What did you make of the fight, mate? Hey, uh, I think the fight was a, was a good fight. I think AJ showed his boxing skills and uh you can tell with, with sort of the weigh-in right he sort of weighed 107 which is the lightest he's been in a long time always weighed a bit heavy but so he showed that he could box from the outside and use his reach and his height to his advantage and he showed that you know uh, coming from the loss to andy ruiz he showed that he can come back from anything how impressed were you with AJ's performance tonight, given obviously what happened in New York, to go away with that mental fortitude, to screw yourself away, rebuild yourself, and come back and show the world something very, very different, because we've not seen that type of performance from him before. We've never seen a performance like that from him before, but uh, me personally, I was very impressed. And um, it just showed that, you know, when you do go away and, and sort of uh, see what you did wrong, and you come back with a game plan, you know, his whole team, not only his whole team, himself, his whole team, the whole country, everyone backed him, and, and I believe that he put on uh, one of the best performances of his career. I think I think uh, Barry McGuigan here, um, Joe, I, I think he took a leaf out of your book. He must have watched your performance against uh, Andrew Ruiz and decided that's the way to box him. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. And I, I actually, I know. I know that they were watching uh, the fight that I had with Ruiz uh, throughout camp. And they must have seen, you know, the way to beat Ruiz. And, and he actually, you know, he, he showed that tonight. He showed that uh, if you box from the outside, 
and you're very smart about your boxing, you don't really get caught in with a, with a brawl. So you can beat you know, someone with pressure and someone with uh, very quick hands and someone's very good at counter-punching. Hey, hey Joseph, it's Luke Campbell here. Um, I, was think, I, I was thinking before this fight, um, the only time I've seen Joshua's footwork being really active was when he boxed you. Uh, I noticed when he boxed you, his footwork was, was really sharp. Uh, and I thought he needed that back tonight um, to have success against Ruiz, and obviously you showed that. What did you think when um, Joshua boxed you about his footwork? When, when Joshua fought myself um, in Cardiff, I, I, I thought that his footwork was very good. And I thought that he controlled the distance, and even though I was trying to lower, lower him in, he, he sort of controlled uh, the distance. He kept me at bay with his jab and, and with his reach. Today, he showed that his footwork was even better than when he fought me. So, you know, he was constantly moving, he didn't tire, and he used the ring very well. And, and that's, uh, for, for, for a boxer like myself, it's very impressive to see. Now, obviously, Joe, off the back of this, he's now the unified champion, but we know that there's obviously mandatories to be called on that IBF belt and that WBO belt, and there's loads of rumours floating around. Nobody knows the exact thing of what is going to happen, but there's rumours that maybe that... WBO belt might come vacant your old WBO belt I've no doubt you've got your eyes on that my man have you uh, had any what? conversations up to this point of, uh, of maybe getting into a world title opportunity next year uh, yeah listen I know where I'm at at the moment you know I'm not ranked right at the top but um, in saying that I, I sort of put the trust in my team so David Higgins has gone to you know, he obviously went to the WA convention and he's put in a good word for us so you know, um, we've been very inactive uh, this year and uh, to reasons that we couldn't control. Look, next year we're looking at fighting three or four times if we can and uh, we, we definitely want to be fighting for the world title next year and, and I hope it happens. Well, obviously you've, you've built a, a lovely following here in the UK and I know you've been over here a couple of times fighting and there were there were noises at one point that you were going to be mixing it with Derek Suzora. How far down the line are you with that? conversation-wise, and obviously now Alexander Rusik stepped up to the heavyweight division. I know that his name's been mentioned with you as well. Are these fights that you're looking towards? I would listen. I would love to fight Derek Chisora. He's one of the fighters who's been around for a long time, and one of the fighters that actually his, his career is resurrected, and the second phase of his career, he's doing very well. You know, he's knocking guys out. He's, pe he's beating people, and it's a fight I still want. You know, um, I, I was scheduled to fight him in October, and I got sick, and it was, uh, like I said, it was out of our control, but um, I'm still willing to fight him. You know, he's one of the fighters that I respect. I love that he always brings it when he fights. Uh, I love the pressure he brings. And, uh, he throws a lot of punches, and I would love to test myself against someone like him. Top man, Joe. I'll, uh, it's Sunday over in uh, New Zealand at this moment, isn't it? So it's church time. Are you off to church now? I'm just uh, I'm in Samoa at the moment, visiting some family and helping out with the measles work. There you go. I mean, measles uh, sort of a thing that's happening here. So I'm just, uh, you know, hanging out with family and relaxing for a bit. Top man. Enjoy that, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the show, mate. Take care. Um, just regarding what he was saying there, how important is activity? Because he, Joe's obviously been inactive for a period of time. He's talking about fighting four times next year. If he's got ambitions of obviously getting in the mix with these boys now, by the back end of next year, he could be flying back up the rankings, isn't he, if he's fighting top well, boys? The biggest problem in boxing, the biggest... It, most injurious stuff is is actually being inactive. Yeah. You don't care what weight you are, you've got to be busy. And, you know, obviously, as you get older, you've got to be more selective in the fights that you take. But for him, he's still a young man. Heavyweights, you know, can be 35 and still young and fresh. 
So he's got, you know, he's got to be active. And I know he's talked about having measles or whatever, but he needs to get back in there as soon as he can and be active. And you know, an active fighter is is uh, a happier fighter. Is is a you know is a more dangerous fighter. Mm. Didn't talk to him about spider bites. You're not a man for spiders, are you? <laughs> I, I was hoping it would be the spider bite. I want that to be true. I want him to come back as we'll get him next time. Spider-Man Joe Parker. That'd be <laughs> sensational. <laughs> uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talksport. We're at the Redwood Sports Bar. Do stick with us. Luke Campbell, Barry McGuigan alongside us. We're going to move the conversation off here, Jamie Ruiz, uh, onto a little bit more Dillian White and the undercard, and then obviously onto uh, Luke and his plans for 2020. So stick with us. You listen to Talksport. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. D.I. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport from the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge as the bar starts to filter out now with people uh, having their fill of the boxing with Anthony Joshua becoming a two-time uh, unified heavyweight champion. We are trying our very, very best to get a little bit of uh, football on the television for Barry because he's not seen the Tottenham result uh, from <laughs> earlier on today. They give Burnley a right-eyed in top, let me tell you. Give him a right-eyed in. And obviously Nick wants to celebrate Liverpool being quite clear at the top of the league, don't you, mate? That's what you want to do. Uh, me and Luke sadly have to talk about championship football, but we'll leave that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that out of the way. Uh, listen, gents, on the undercard tonight, obviously, Dillian White was making his comeback. Um, first time out since, obviously, the Oscar Rivas uh, fight. Everybody knows what's happened off the back of that. On the eve of this fight yesterday, UCAD uh, dropped the charges against uh, Dillian. Uh, and he, he, I'll be honest with you, Nick, I know that uh, Barry and uh, Luke were in transit at that moment in time when that fight was going on because it was really early. It was about 6 o'clock uh, uh, in the afternoon here in the UK. Um, he looked like a man that had the weight of the, of the world on his shoulders over, over a long period of time. He was slow, quite lethargic, a little bit sluggish. And I can kind of forgive that performance from him tonight with the news yesterday, get that out of the way and hopefully now move forward in 2020. Yeah, he looked like he had the same nutritionist as Andy Ruiz, let's be honest, <laughs> over the last few months. He was very fleshy. But as you can imagine, his, his world's been turned upside down in the last six months, you know, and there was a time there when people were questioning whether he was going to be able to continue with his career. The whole UKAD thing needs addressing, it needs addressing urgently, but Dillian White now has got to put that behind him. I feel for Dillian White because he's kind of been tarnished with that brush now, and I think he, he just got to the point where he, he was selling out the O2 arena himself. Yeah. He'd become a breakout star, aside from Anthony Joshua, he'd become a big star for UK boxing. He was carrying big cards, live on TV, pay-per-view events, O2, selling out the O2. He was knocking on the door for the world title fight. You know, he's WBC number one contender for what felt like about two and a half years. Yeah. You know, and, and he's been, it feels like he's been put so far back now. That's probably why he didn't fight Alexander Povetkin tonight. He, you know, we, we were questioning this week why he was being put in there with Marius Wack, who's, you know, very much a, a fighter on his way out. And that's because he wasn't in the sh shape to fight. You know, it was about just getting back on the horse, getting that one done. 2020 is going to be absolutely massive for Dillian White because he's not only got to get his career back on track, but he's got to win the fans back over again as yeah. well because the old adage, there's no smoke without fire, that's not going to go because of the way UKAD have mishandled the information that has now come out and subsequently, uh, you know, has ruled him out of cheating. That won't go away anytime soon. One thing that um, this whole case has kind of highlighted to me, and, and you guys... Barry and Luke can maybe shed a little bit more light on this because you're at the cold face of it, is that we, we seem to have a bit of a, a systemic failure with UKAD and the way they go about testing. Once they find an adverse finding, you then have this period of time where a fighter can still 
continue about their business. They can still continue fighting whilst an investigation goes on, whilst we're waiting for B samples. I mean, we've seen recently a gentleman that fought Josh, Ryan Martin. We, we saw him, obviously, you know, that situation, him fail a test. 15 months later, he ends up getting his ban. That doesn't seem right to me. And maybe that the, there needs to be an overhaul now off the back of this Dillian White thing where people can look at the system and say, this is wrong, We need it, it needs to be addressed. Well, I mean... First of all, in no reference to what's happened with Dillian White, my attitude is anybody that's caught using performance-enhancing drugs, they should be banned from boxing forever. That's the first thing, because let's start out with this premise that it is, it is a sport where you don't run faster, you don't cycle your bike quicker, you can actually kill somebody. So that is a very, very serious, serious thing to do. Anything, anybody that takes performance-enhancing drugs should be banned. That's just the start. But it has to be done correctly. And all these, there should be, I mean, in, we're in the 21st century, for God's sake. Get it right that these drug guys, you know, whether it's UKAD or WADA or whoever, just sort it out and sort it out with the governing bodies and get a one-track system of doing it that covers everything. And, uh, you know, and it's simple. It's straightforward. Well, that's the thing that seems to be confusing. You, you're, you're fighting at this moment, Luke, right? So you obviously, you've made your trade in, the, in America. You've done it here in the UK. You can fight. I mean, you could have been on a card in Saudi Arabia for crying out loud tonight, right? Yeah. So all different, it seems to be, jurisdictions, people with different rules. I mean, we saw the Billy Joe Saunders thing where what he took, the nasal spray, was okay in the UK, but it wasn't all right in Massachusetts, so he ends up losing his belt. There just seems to be so much confusion and no transparency what Barry's saying there? Come on, give us one singer, one song, and everybody's off that same hymn sheet. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, for the for the Lemachenko fight, I I um I had two different um, drug testing um, organisations I had to deal with. So was that Vada WBC? Vada and UK Anti Doping. Right. So basically, every every, every single night I had to give them my address, my location, and a time slot every single night, and they can turn up whenever they want. To, they could turn up at this hotel tomorrow morning and at my time slot. Yeah. So I had, so I'm always with that one. But then, because I'm fighting for the WBC world title, I have to do another drug organisation. So basically, I was getting tested at least three times a week, um, every week for the past six weeks of uh, the last six weeks of the training camp. Yeah. And it was getting tiring because it was turning up out, out outside of hours. So when I got a time slot in there for 8 a.m., they was turning up at 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m., waking me up. And then I'd get another one coming in at 8 o'clock at night and saying that they're not leaving until until they get the sample. Yeah. So I agree there should be one organ. It should be under one roof where it sorts it all out together. And, the, you know, like you say, too many cooks spoil, you know, spoil the broth. And I think that's exactly what happened here. Well, that's exactly what Dillian's just faced, hasn't he? Because he's had Varda tests, UK anti-doping tests. The situation with UK anti-doping, and that's where my beef is at this moment in time, the situation with the UK anti-doping situation is that Dillian White allegedly had a, uh, a hearing three, three days previous to his contest with Oscar Rivas. He was cleared to fight, but now we've just had a period of four and a half, five months of nothing. Yeah. And as you've just said, People out there in the world that we live in right now on social media, they don't, they, they see smoke and they believe there's a fire, you know? And therefore now, a reputation of a young man is kind of tarnished in a way, even though he's proven innocent and charges are now dropped against him, his reputation is tarnished. 
because there was four and a half months of silence rather than come out straight away and say, right, this is what we found, this is the situation, this is where we're at. Done. In, in this day and age, you can't take four and a half months to deal with a case like this. You know, if you find an adverse find and you've got to test the B sample and you've got to do it within 24 hours and then you've got to make a decision on it, come out publicly and push and, and present it to the world and then you either deal with it one way or the other. Mm. Yeah, the, the situation with UKD is absolutely ridiculous and we just need to move forward now. Uh, well, Dillian was back in action tonight uh, and he did get a, a decision victory. 98-93, 97-93, 97-93 uh, on the scorecards there. He didn't look amazing, but we'll forgive him for that. He's had the world... Uh, weight of the world on his shoulders over the last uh, few months or so and he'll move forward into uh, 2020. Uh, now then, coming up um, over the next 15 to 20 minutes, I think it's only fair that we point our attention uh, towards Luke. He's been good enough to give us his time tonight, so I'll tell you what, we're going to use this platform to start calling some fighters out and start making some fights for 2020. Uh, so make sure you stick with us. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. The fight starts now. With Adam Catterall. I don't think he's going to get up. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're at the Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. I'm Adam Cattrall. Mick Pete with me. Olympic gold medalist Luke Campbell and former world champion Barry McGuigan on the show as well. Where have you been? Where have you been? We've been here since 9 o'clock, obviously, for Ruiz Joshua. Anthony Joshua crowned tonight a two-time heavyweight world champion. Sensational performance against Andy Ruiz in Saudi Arabia. Getting the job done uh, by unanimous decision. 118-110 on two of the cards and 119-109 on the other. Sensational from him. But I think it's only fair that we move our conversation on to other aspects of boxing and whilst you were listening to the news there I just shared a little bit of uh, a story there with Luke Campbell even though uh, Barry and, uh, and Nick support Premier League uh, football clubs that are doing extremely well at this moment in time uh, I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan so therefore my six year old son has decided not to follow me into uh, supporting Blackburn Rovers he's uh, followed Manchester City it's a similar story uh, with Luke his seven year old has followed Manchester City and both of them in tears this evening uh, following the Manchester Derby nice. mate absolutely gutted Nick's loving it because now the, <laughs> the league title is done and you are marching on done by Christmas there I told you, you there you go right let's talk about you Luke um, because obviously um, you had some fantastic fights over the last 12 to 18 months the one yeah. against Linares is the one that sticks out in my mind where if there's another two, maybe three rounds, maybe even another one round, you're a world champion off the back of that. Yeah. You brought Lomachenko to the UK uh, and again, it was like watching high-class, technical, brutal chess at times. It was sensational yeah. to watch for us uh, at ringside. What are the plans going forward for 2020? Because I know that you've got big names on your lips and I know that you want to get back in with that mix yeah. of those lightweight champions. Most definitely, um you know, we still want the same thing, and that's world titles, uh, and we want to be involved in the biggest fights. You know, obviously, the first time I challenged for a world title against Linares, you know, he was a freeweight world champion and in his prime at the time. And I went over there to, over the pond, uh, box on his show, and me personally, I thought I won the fight. I thought I won seven rounds out of 12, and thought I won the fight, but obviously it wasn't enough. Um, I think it's just purely on the knockdown in the first round, isn't it? Yeah, That's it. Yeah. They give it to him on a uh, on a split, um, and it wasn't meant to be. And then you know I'm I'm coming up and mandatory for the WBC title. Yeah. Um, I should have been fighting a Russian guy who should have two, and then all of a sudden I'm fighting Lemachenko for the title, <laughs> the number one pound for pound in the world. Mm. So, but listen, it is what it is. I've never shied away from a challenge, um, and. I still want to be the best and I still believe I can be the best and 
you know, I, I, I think two or three more fights down the line, I, I would love another crack at Lemachenko. I think I would do a lot more damage and I'd be a lot better in there than what I was that night. What, what are the learns that you take away from the Lomachenko fight? You know, I, 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 I did learn a couple of tricks in there. Um, and I've, I think coming off the back of that fight, I've been studying myself a lot. And usually when, you, when you're training and you're always looking at other fighters, what they're doing, oh, they do this really good, oh, I'll practice that. But recently I've just been really studying myself and what works for me and... Mm how I do this and the way I do that and I've just been studying myself and I'm going to bring back a, uh, a few things into my style obviously um, what was really uh, really worked for me that I say I'm not quite doing now and you know when I sit down with Shane next week you know we're going to discuss it all and, and, and put a plan of action going ahead but I'm very excited I'm excited for the future I'd love the rematch with Lenares you know I, I do believe that I, I need that cleaning off my record and that's a huge fight here in the UK. He's well known here in the yeah. UK. He's come over twice and boxed Roller. Uh, so it's, that's a big fight for the UK and for world boxing. That's it. Barry, that's a perfect fight, isn't it? Linares, Luke Campbell is perfect. Yeah. Just to re-establish Luke as a major player once again in, yeah. this, in this division. Oh, he is a major player. He just hasn't won a title yet, which is a crying shame. He should have got the Linares fight and he should have won that fight and didn't get it. And, you know, uh, as we say over there, he's a kick in the arse off a world title. Excuse yeah. my vulgarity. <laughs> um, but he's, he really is this. In the Linares fight, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he, will, he will beat Linares and possibly knock him out the next time. And then he just wants to fight for a title as soon as possible. So the, soonest, the, the sooner we can get there with him, the, the, very much the better. I know, I know that's the way Shane feels. He always wants to be involved in big fights, and it's no different now. Um, you know, Lomachenko is a fighter that comes around, is a type of fighter that comes around once in a hundred years. Yeah. That's how good he is. And look at the performance he put on against him and was able to get off the floor and push him right to the wire. You know, he's just getting better and better, Luke. And, and Luke is 32 years old and he, he, is, he fights like a 22-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, obviously you've been a fan of Luke's for a period of time. I know you're a fan of Lomachenko, Devin Haney. This division that he's in, right off... It's probably the best, isn't it? Yeah, it's red hot. And as the, the good thing is, Javonta Davis moving up as well to this division. You've got Richard Comey taking on uh, TSB yeah. in a couple of next weeks. Week. Time. Next, week, next week, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, which is a great fight. There's loads of all those names as well as there's five or six names, Luke, in that weight division on which you are one. Yeah. That's sell. They're big tickets selling fights. They're big events, TV show fights, and for you, that's that's what you need you know sometimes legacies can suffer because there's not the right names in your weight division you know yeah. Katie Taylor a part of her career looked like it was suffering for a spell which is why she's moving through the weight divisions now but you've not got that problem there's no. half a dozen guys at lightweight that sell and for, yeah. for you as far as I'm concerned 2020 could be absolutely yeah. huge it's um, there's plenty of big names in the division and like you're saying 2020 is going to be my year you know I'm going to make it my year you're going to the, the best is still yet to come. I really, I, re, I really do believe that. I'm like red wine. I get, I get better <laughs> with age. You know, and that's exactly it. And I'm, I'm excited for, for these next few years coming because yeah. you know I do really believe that you're not seeing the best of me yet. Do you want, uh, do you want one of them franchise belts? I want all the belts, <laughs> including a franchise belt. If that's what, if that's what happens. I mean, we've just been speaking a moment or two ago regarding minimising the amount of belts to get one face in the division and the WBC then go and obviously create another new belt 
and it just confuses fans out there, doesn't it, Barry? We want one first well, at the end of the day. You know, I, 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 exactly. We want to simplify. You know, we talked about simplifying the drugs and the yeah. drug testing and one simple way of doing it. Everybody knows, and I know that Luke talked about the whereabouts and all that sort of stuff. We need to take the confusion out of it and we need to make it simpler and more effective. And the same thing with governing bodies. And I'm a really good friend of Mauricio, but this franchise bag I just don't like. Uh, I really don't think it's necessary. It's, it's, it's certainly unnecessary. So we want to, again, make, we want one champ, we talked about this earlier, we want as little belts and as little confusion as possible. We want to see the best fight and the best. That's what Luke wants to do. That's what Josh Taylor wants to do. And we want, need to have more fighters with that attitude and not where they hide behind their titles and they deliberately put obstacles up. Regarding the fight next weekend between uh, Richard Comey and Tiafimo yep. Lopez for the IBF crown, how do you see that playing out? Um, I think it's a really good fight. Mm. Um, I've done a, a fair few amount of rounds with Lopez over in Miami a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, I've never, I've never really seen Comey. Uh, I've never... I've never really watched him, but I know that he's had a couple. A last his last couple of performances have been really good, mm. and um, I think he's a real dark horse in the division. Um, I think it's a very hard fight for Lopez. I mean, Lopez's last performance um, wasn't that good. No. You know, as soon as he found out he couldn't knock the guy out, he sort of was running out of ideas, and. Um, you know, I think Comey's a, a really hard fight for him, especially he, at this stage of his career, because, yeah. you know, it's quite soon in his career, I believe. And, yeah. you know, even though I, I'd be rooting for Lopez because I know him, um, I think Comey is edging it for me at the minute with experience and with with everything else that comes with that. Yeah, they're both nice lads. Lopez has got the razzmatazz, there's no question about that. Yeah. Um, but just from studying the last few fights of the last year or so, he's tough as they come, Richard Comey, isn't he? Is. He? Yeah. He, can he can whack a bit as yeah. well. And he's got a great chin. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he can punch, he can box, he's a switch hitter. So, you know, he's, he, brings a, he brings a lot to the table and he's, you know, it looks like it'd be a hard fight for anybody. Mm. Um, like you say, Lopez, more flashy, um, that American style, quick hands and, you know, all the showboating and stuff like that. But, you know... In, yeah, that's okay inspiring but when you're in a fight yeah. you know with the little gloves on you're punching through someone's guard and, and or if you're hitting them with your best shot and you're not doing nothing to them you know you've got a long time in there with them so it's completely different in a fight realistically actually Barry with this division in 12 months time for Luke if we're thinking about it I mean we've got this fight next weekend you would think with all those fighters being with top rank, mm -hmm. they will push him towards Lomachenko, maybe to unify that division. Yep. Then with obviously situations that you get with politics and managers and blah, 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 those belts aren't going to stay with one guy for a long period of time. They're going to start getting fragmented. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, of course it's going to happen. And if he's had two fights against top 10 contenders, yep. he's at the top of the tree there, isn't Absolutely. he? In 12 I mean, months from now. I mean, that's, that's the whole trick. And you know, Eddie's, Eddie's uh, excellent at getting, uh, getting fights organized. He's got an operation in America. You know, um, Lucas fought in Philadelphia and fought magnificently and looked spectacular. And so he's ready to go. The great thing about Luke Campbell is he's the most professional fighter I've ever seen between fights. He has kept his discipline. He never allows his weight to go up. He's always in shape. He is a fighter's fighter. That's the difference. I've seen many, yeah. many fighters over the years who blow up between fights. And, you know, you have to allow them to put a bit of weight on and have a bit of rest. Campbell never rests. He's always in shape. 
and he's sitting to my left here, and I'm sure he's he's uh, he's embarrassed that, by me. That's by why he looks so young at 32 because he takes care of himself. That's what I said to you. He's, <laughs> but, he's a young guy, and uh, although he's you know he's 32 years old, he's got no miles on the top. Mm. No miles in the clock, and that's the difference. And you're going to see the best Luke Campbell between now and 35 years old. How much? I mean, obviously, you've, you've just really started working with Shane, haven't you? Yep. How much have you learned in that short period of time uh, working with him, and and just just picking off his experience of being at the top level? Oh, a lot. Um, I believe that it's the first time in my professional career where finally found a proper team that, that that cover everything that's fantastic in the gym you know the look at strength the look at opponents yeah the, the do the homework so professional so you can just concentrate and on fighting yeah it's the first time in my career, my professional career where i found like finally i've got a, a, a great solid team around me that are teaching me things things i've never even known and for the first four years of my pro career i was more or less doing it all my own yeah i was doing it on i was doing it by myself on my own at half training myself and not knowing anything and but finally when i settled with shane i finally started to understand the pro game and how it works and what we should do and you know it's even even the weight like doing the weight for the fights everything and mm. now i feel like once i've got a good coach behind me i can go limits the sky but you give me a bad coach i'll go down as quick as i'll go up mm. because i'll learn bad things and yep. And when I'm in the gym with Shane and stuff, I, I, I'm a sponge. I just want to learn everything, and I want to be better today than I was yesterday. He's got, he's got the biggest appetite for getting better. He's, you know, he's 32 years old, and he's like a kid. He wants to get better. If I beat him at darts, he'll play up my all week yeah. to beat me. And he's the same with chess. But you'll still beat every me. Game. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's the most determined kid I've ever seen, and. You know, you want to see how spectacular these sparring sessions are. He punches so hard, my God, like knocking over welterweights and everything. He really is a, a sensational kid. And when, when you see him in the gym, you realise all those years uh, have been worthwhile. And he's putting together now how to fight at close range. He's always been brilliant at distance and middle distance, but now he's as good up close. How to negate somebody, close them down. And he's getting better. And these sort of things you learn in your 20s, he's learning them in his 30s yeah. because he's had to. Mm. Because, as he said before, he's done most of his training on his own, on the road, whatever. He's really, you haven't seen anything like what this guy's got to produce. So the best is yet to come. He's got us excited now, hasn't he? He's got us excited. Listen, we're going to continue this loving with Cyclone in a moment too because we've been impressed with the way that they've gone about matching Josh Taylor to this stage of his career. We're going to talk about that in a minute, so make sure you stick with us. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport, a night where Anthony Joshua has become a two-time heavyweight world champion. Let's go! On TalkSport uh, from Redwood Sports Bar on London Bridge. You might just heard a little bit of me and Barry having a bit of a conversation about how long we're doing a radio show for there. You know what I mean? Got to keep these former world champions in check, haven't you? Uh, listen, I know that just before the break there, uh, we were speaking, obviously, about Luke and his plans for 2020. Linares is the man on the on the, on the lips. Fingers crossed we can get that, which yep. then kicks us forward within 12 months' time, fighting once again for world titles. I just want to talk about... Uh, barrier management in boxing because it is it is a difficult task when you take on fighters and matchmaking them and getting them the right fights at the right times. 
man sat next to you, Barry, Olympic gold medalist, elite mm -hmm. amateur. You've obviously, you look after Josh Taylor, who was Commonwealth gold medalist, and he, when he turned pro, you see a lot of these guys that have been at these Olympic games and Commonwealth games do extremely well, and then they come and they have five, six, seven, eight fights against guys that are not fit to lace the gloves, you know? With, with the way that you work with Josh, and again, this sounds a bit sycophantic of me blowing smoke up your backside, but the way that you work with Josh Taylor, for example, we've spoke about it quite a lot, haven't we? Yep. With the way that you matched him with ridiculous... It was like, I think Nick actually cracked a joke on one of our shows that you didn't like Josh because, yeah. you, were, you, were putting him in, <laughs> because you were putting him in with the likes of Victor Postel and no, all exactly. these types of characters. And I'm like going, what is he doing What's now? Josh done to <laughs> yeah. Barry? Has what he, has Josh done to Barry? Had he upset you or something? Well, well, here's the thing, guys. <laughs> You, you, with, with each fighter, you have to, you have to see what they're like. You see, nowadays it's not like when I was around in the 80s, where I fought 11 times in the first year. You don't get that opportunity. Yeah. So most of the guys are we're seeing and testing them in the gym, and people like Luke here and Josh Taylor. You can't put them in with patsies. You got to put them in with decent, uh, decent opponents that are going to test them and show you what they're made of and tell you as a manager what their what their capabilities are and so you've got to match them hard and you know intelligently but hard and you know we just knew with taylor that we could be aggressive with him we could move him on he was over sparring you know uh, in in his professional debut with really good guys out in texas he was, he, was, he was sparring with Sean Porter, wasn't he? He was sparring right? with Sean Porter. Who's for, a welterweight for people yes, that don't know this, yeah. And we were getting ready for the second uh, Santa Cruz fight. Um, he was sparring with Sean Porter in the gym. And, you know, he, he won every spar with him. Completely dominated and him. And that's a and world he, champion and, at the weight category and, above. And, and look, at uh, uh, the utmost respect for, yeah. Sean, for Sean Porter. But Taylor was, was way too good for him speed-wise. And one of the days he roughed him up and he probably won two-thirds of the rounds against against Taylor but Taylor was magnificent so we knew even right at the embryonic stages this kid has got real potential he then sparred um, you know a, a, a great guy um, that Luke fought um, over in in, uh, in in New York as well and sparred and looked great in the gym and you know he looks good stamina you know, getting caught plenty, but been able to adjust and make the alterations that he wouldn't get caught again. You know, so you, you just know yeah. a guy that has a bit of announce and so, a bit of understanding. So indiv for individuals? Yeah. You, 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 you match okay. them all. At, at, and you, there are certain fighters that you've got to take slow and yeah. you've got to take time with. But, you know, both Luke and, and uh, Josh had, you know, I don't know how many fights you had as an amateur, Luke. Uh, as an amateur, I probably had about say 180 180 so i think uh, i think well Ta taylor <laughs> taylor had around 200 amateur fights as well so you know and when he turned over he was like what age is he now 28 so that was four years he's 24 yeah. years old it's not a it's, not, it's five years old uh, sorry so he um five years ago so it's you know we we knew that you, we, if we wanted to get him to where we thought he could go, we had to move aggressively, mm. and therefore match him aggressively is the way to do it. And then if if we if we get to, he has a tough fight, then take a step back. But you know, look at what we've done: 16 fights, IBF champion, yeah. WBO or WBA champion, you know, you know um, Ring Magazine champion, and, and Muhammad Ali Trophy. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's worked 16 professional fights. So that's 
we think that's pretty magnificent and 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 i i still think the best is to come from him as well luke was that one of the attractions for you as well obviously it started to work with barry and shane and moving your camp down into london yeah will you see that the work that has been done with josh a guy that is an elite amateur very similar to yourself type of pedigree getting fights for you is hard because you're going good so therefore working with a team that is experienced in the matchmaking aspects of stuff and, yeah. get, and getting people to that elite level was that one of the attractions as to why you yeah, made that I move? Yeah I mean and obviously I always said to Shane as well since I've been a part of the team that things could have been a lot different if I'd have been with you guys from the start you know and I'd had a proper proper team around me and like proper plan of action of what route to go down and yeah. who to fight and all that type of stuff and you know I've been on the road doing it all myself and you know, it's, it, at, least, at the end of the day, it's got me where I am today. You know, I've had the ups and downs and been all over the place. And I've been out in Miami for two years, going in very hostile gyms, sparring Cubans and Colombians and Americans. And, you know, and 20 guys shouting for them. And I'm just there on my own with, you know, with uh, George. Um, you know, I, I, I had to earn my respect. Yeah. And, and I did. Yeah, You're talking yeah. about sparring, by the way. The sparring between um, Luke and Josh before this fight absolutely spectacular. You would have paid a hundred pounds to watch. I'm telling you, we you'd have paid a hundred pounds to watch some sparring. Book is in, Nick. We're going down to the gym. Man. We're going down <laughs> to the gym to watch. <laughs> well, it, was, it was it was great, and, and and I'm sure Josh will hold his hands up and say the help he got uh, from Luke in preparation for that fight against Progre was was magnificent. Magnificent! You can't and get, but you really can't brilliant. you can't buy better sporting than that, can you? Yeah. Olympic gold medalist preparing for a, a region progress. Even for me, like for my preparation for Lemachenko, like yeah. Josh Taylor was ideal. You know, he's obviously twice Lemachenko's size, but yeah. but it's just it was ideal preparation and and just fantastic way. You know, world class sparring. I mean, it must be. We just need to set up camp in their gym, don't we? <laughs> just set up in the corner and just say, go on, lads, crack on, and we'll have a bit of a watch. Well, going into the World Boxing Super Series final, oh, you know, we, we, we did laugh and joke about Josh and the, and the matchups he had so early in his career. But when he went into that tournament, though, not just the fan, the tournament, you knew we'd seen it all before. We'd seen Josh get a gut check. We'd seen that he can punch. We'd seen that he can box. We'd seen everything, which is why we made him the favourite straight away. Yeah. Even though Progress was an undefeated fighter and come up with a big reputation, we hadn't seen Progress in certain scenarios. We'd seen Josh in every scenario. That's interesting that you say that, Nick and Adam, because that's what we felt made the difference. Yeah. yeah. Because we because Progress was magnificent in that fight. Yep. I thought Taylor beat him by a couple of rounds. Yep. But only just and uh, and and we knew the close fight and we were we were delighted with the result but we knew it was going to be a hard fight but the difference made the difference was that they'd both fought two world champions and uh, in in the past but uh, we just felt that with the baron check fight and with the with the postal fight yeah, who definitely. was still lively and still dangerous and could give ramirez really big trouble in february uh, we, we felt that they, that was better preparation for Josh than, than Progress yeah. had. He'd, be, he'd been asked proper questions and he'd yeah. answered them. Yes. Yeah, no question about it. But uh, let me tell you something. Progress has, has improved from that performance. Oh, no question. No question about it. And he would be a better fighter. 
for, from having gone through those 12 rounds? Well, he, he probably for the first time he was asked questions, and don't get me wrong, he answered a lot of them. Yeah. He was just he was just pipped on that particular night, and he, I think you, you're right. I think he will come back stronger. And yeah. Who knows? We might get another Taylor Progress knock at some you point. Never oh, yes, you never know. You never know. Dealers, yes, right? Please. It is. Um, in the early hours of the morning, Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, is fighting against Mike Cobrop. We're going to speak about that in a moment or two, and then we'll finish uh, by just uh, reviewing everything that went on in Saudi Arabia. Uh, moments or two ago. If you've just tuned in to TalkSport this evening, Anthony Joshua is a two-time unified heavyweight champion of the world, winning a unanimous decision against Andy Ruiz. Good news. All your Christmas present problems have been solved at a stroke because our great new book, 20 Years of TalkSport, is now on sale. It's a must-have stocking filler. It is stacked uh, with laugh out loud stories about the first 20 years of your favourite radio station, TalkSport. It's available in all good high street bookstores, uh, or you can get a special copy signed by at least two TalkSport presenters, Nick and Nick again, uh, to go to <laughs> TalkSport.com uh, forward slash book. 20 years of TalkSport, uh, the book that saved Christmas, is available now at TalkSport.com forward slash book. You listen to Fight Night on location. Uh, we're at the Redwood Sports Bar in London Bridge. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me, Luke Campbell. Uh, and Barry McGuigan here too. In the early hours of the morning, um, Chris Eubank Jr. is in action. He's taking on Matt Korobov. Uh, it is for the WBA Interim Middleweight Championship. This is a very, very tough fight. Very tough fight indeed. Uh, Korobov, an elite amateur, uh, won a, a boatload of Olymp uh, not Olympic gold, they won a boatload of gold medals at World Championships. Um, and two fights ago, he fought Jamal Charlo, and I actually thought he won that fight. He yeah. lost it on a decision, but I actually thought he won that fight. So therefore, if a Eubank Junior Luke come, comes through tonight, yeah. you've got to say that is some performance and probably the best of his career if he can get a victory against Korobov. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I remember Korobov from the amateurs. He was outstanding. Um, really enjoyed watching him as an amateur. And like I said, I, I thought he won that fight as well. And if I, if I remember rightly, I'm sure he was, uh, he was brought in last minute for that fight as well. Yeah, it was. It was short notice. So short notice for him and, and to pull out a performance like that as well. I don't get why Eubank has, has, has took this fight because for a fight fan, um, it's not really of any relevance because no one really knows it, who he is. Mm. So if he gets beat by this guy, he's not going to get any credit from the fight fans whatsoever. Good point. Nick, regarding that, because he's, he's flitted with the weights, he's had a play at 168, he's yeah. back down at 160 here. I personally think the narrative here for... Eubank Jr. is that he wants to get himself in the mix for a Canelo fight, doesn't he? Well, of course he does. He wants to get in the mix for a title fight. He probably feels like he's bigger and stronger at middleweight. I don't think he's ever believed he was a true 12 stone fighter. But, you know, Eubank, because of the Eubank family name, he could fight here in the UK and he could fight, you know, British level or even European level opposition, make a fortune and make a, make a good career for himself. But instead, he's going over to, you know, the Barclays Centre in New York tonight. He's taking on a guy, Luke's points out, extremely dangerous fighter you know just fought for a world title himself well for multiple time world title contender not really a big household name necessarily but an incredibly tough fight and if he's on it could be a really uncomfortable night for chris eubank jr yeah but that for me that just speaks volumes about where eubank jr's minds at he, he wants to become a world champion he wants to beat the best guys out there he wants to put himself in a mandatory position and he's willing to go on the road fight on undercards of other people's undercards to do it i think that just show, 
it just shows really what his strength of character is all about. Because as, as I say, he could go on Good Morning Television every day of the week, sell out Manchester Arena against the TBC and make a fortune. But instead, he's pursuing a world title, a proper world title. And I give Chris Eubank Jr. all the credit in the world for it. Barry, regarding matchups and... You just heard from uh, Luke and Nick there in the thought process of uh, Chris fighting Matt Korobov in the early hours of the morning. What's your thoughts on it and, and, and him taking this particular fight rather than maybe some others that were offered to him? Well, I mean, you know, you look at the stats, he's 36 years old. Um, he's beaten by Andy Lee for the middleweight title, yep. remember, way back. Yep. Um, he's gone up, he's 5 foot 11, so he's gone up to super middleweight with 168 pounds. So he was a career... Uh, middleweight really is an amateur outstanding stop Daniel Jacobs in the amateurs beat everybody but he's a counter puncher and uh, whilst I admire what that uh, as Nick says that uh, Eubank has gone up and took and this is a dangerous fight and it's a, a real challenge uh, you know he is 36 years old on one hand uh, you know he's got a guy that's definitely on the decline instead of the incline but He's got a guy who's negative, and look at Eubank. Look at the guys that have given him trouble in his career. Billy Joe Saunders, yep. because he stands up and says, I'm not going to walk into you and make you look good. I'm going to stand off you, mate. And, you know, others that have caused him trouble were, were guys that stood off him. He's going to have to walk into Matty Korobov, and Matty Korobov might be able to outbox him for certainly the first half of the fight. It's a 10-rounder or 12-rounder. 12-rounder, I think. 12, it's yeah, yeah. an interim title, of course yeah, yeah. it's a 12-rounder. But, uh, yeah, I, I would, uh, my money would be on Eubank uh, simply because of the way he beat DeGale, who was an, a counter-puncher as well. Mind you, a worn-out one, and one on the slide. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Korobov is as worn-out as that. He's gone up in weight and would have been, he will have been more vitalised by the fact that he's gone up to, to 12 stone. So I, I, I give Eubank real kudos for taking on this risky fight like Nick said but it's a dangerous fight too Timing's everything though isn't it and as you've just alluded to the age of Coral Bob yeah. I know he likes a war Eubank and we've seen him obviously against George and there were claret everywhere that particular night George gave him the right scene too but he's still young he's, he's one of those fighters that you were mentioning before he does live the life I know you see him in nightclubs yeah. But he's not drinking, he's not doing any of that. He, li he does live in the gym, yeah. and he does take this game seriously. You've got to admire that, haven't you? Yeah, but the, the difference, as I said, is that George was clever and stood off him yes. and, and out-jabbed him. He's had one of the best jabs in the business, or did have one of the je best jabs in the business before he'd done his shoulder in. Um, having said that, uh, Eubank fought tooth and nail right to the end, but he was well beaten by George. And I think, you know, if he lets this guy get off and start it, yeah. above, it could be a very difficult night's work. He's got to be aggressive. And he's got to go straight at him, you know? Yeah, he's and, You know, and it's, it's always... It, when a fighter from the UK is travelling over to America, you know, it's always that little bit harder to perform. You know, I think... Do you remember when Joshua boxed um, that night in New York? Yeah. I think there was about five British fighters on there. None of them performed. Callum Smith got a knockout, didn't apart he? From Callum Smith, sorry, yeah, apart yeah. from Callum Smith, sorry, apart from Callum Smith, he was the only one that really performed. Yeah, I don't right. believe any of the others really Not performed. Not even Katie Taylor that night. She had a no, struggle night against Bassoon, exactly, didn't she? Exactly. And it's, it is much harder to go over to America and perform. You know, you, you, it's a different environment. It's a different setup. Different states have different rules of hand wrapping. And, you know, you're, you're out, you sink. And it's, you know, it's much harder to perform. Over in, the, over in the States than it is when you're fighting at home. 
Rico? All, all the more reason why we take our hat off to him. Yeah, He's very exactly. good. And, and his, his, his dad is, um, you know, his dad has uh, spent a lot of his amateur career in, in America and done a lot of his learning and, and development as a, as a, a, you know, a young amateur in, out in the, in the Bronx. So he knows that he's got to make an impact. He's got to take something, t- make an audacious move. He's got to do something that's risky and p- put on a performance. And he better perform tonight because he could get the head boxed off him if he stands off this guy. He's got to go and get him. And he's got to do, because Charlo, look what he done with Charlo. It was a close, very close, very close fight. fight. And Charlo walked straight into him. Yeah. That's what Eubank has got to do, but he's got to do with a little bit more finesse. And he's got to, you know, make his attacks not predictable, but attack break attack again break then take a rest and go in and and just take it to him but with intelligence and i don't know that he's that good at that so i hope he's been working on that one in his in his last camp um you know the the, the way to beat eubank is to stand off him and use a jab mm. um just mentioned charlo there charlo's obviously top of the bill on this card uh, tonight taking on uh, dennis hogan um, how do you see that one playing out? Because there's a lot made of the Charlo twins and the and the, the way that they carry themselves outside of the ring, but inside of the ring, nine times out of the ten, they are absolutely devastating. Yeah, they are. They, are the, they didn't have the best 2019. And it's weird here that Hogan's going into a world title fight after losing a world title fight at the weight below, even though it was a contentious loss. You know, again, another real weird grey area with political politics in boxing at the moment how anyone can lose a world title fight and go straight into a world title fight in and another weight division yeah, yeah. Is, is absolutely beyond me but I'm, I'm expecting a, you know, the, the Charlos to get back on track they did look like for, for a long time they were going to take uh, world boxing by storm not just American boxing they're part of this new wave at the moment we were talking about it earlier in, in Luke's division alone there's three of you know, Tiafimo Lopez Devin Haney Ryan Garcia you know, there's a real I feel like American boxing at the moment under this real resurgence and there's talent coming of young guys as of, well of young fighters yeah exactly and the Charlo twins are definitely alongside that that re- re-emergence of American world title contenders mm. Um, well, that goes down in the early hours of the morning. I'd love to give you uh, a television channel to go and watch that on, but it's another subscription thing. I think it's Premier Sports TV uh, that that's going down on. It'll cost you a couple of quid, but if you want to watch uh, Chris Eubank Jr., I think the ring walks around about 2 o'clock, uh, 2 a.m., to make sure you have a little bit of a nosy in on that. And if he comes through it, he'll be the WBA interim champion, uh, which kind of insinuates that he might be mandatory uh, for Canelo at some point. Interesting times. Uh, stick with us. Um, you are listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. One more section to go, and we're just going to relive everything that we've uh, gone through this evening uh, in Saudi Arabia. You're going to hear a little bit of commentary as well as Anthony Joshua has become a two-time unified heavyweight world champion. It's been a masterclass from Anthony Joshua, who will be celebrating at the final bell. What a from AJ and he delivers an emphatic points victory there can be no doubt all three scorecards go to the winner by unanimous decision the fighting pride of London England and once again the heavyweight champion of the world the man known as AJ Anthony Joshua. 
Adam Smith there from Sky Sports Box Office. Couldn't have said it better. Absolute masterclass from Anthony Joshua as he is crowned a two-time unified heavyweight world champion, beating Andy Ruiz quite comfortably on the scorecards in the end. 118-110, twice 119-109. The champion only winning on the, the very most uh, two rounds as Anthony Joshua. Uh, Float like a butterfly all the way through uh, the fight and got the job done in Saudi Arabia. Um, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport from the Redwood Sports Bar uh, on London Bridge. We've had a fantastic crowd in this evening. They've all dispersed. They've all gone for a, something to eat maybe or maybe a few drinks uh, elsewhere as the nightclubs start to open up uh, here in, uh, in London City. But they've witnessed uh, a fantastic uh, night of championship boxing, especially in the heavyweight division with Anthony Joshua becoming champion once again. Joining me on this show has been Nick Pete, Luke Campbell uh, and Barry McGuigan. And we kind of alluded to it. Uh, boys, before we... Have you decided not to continue with the show there? Luke, we're on the radio here, pal. You, can, you put your headphones on, lad, and your microphone. I'll tell you something. You thought we were on the adverts, did you? He's a part-time That's easy. As soon as you said nightclub, he took his headphones off. <laughs> yeah. he, he was ready to go. He was on his way, the lad. Don't tell Lindsay, but... <laughs> But oh, is this an advert then or not? No, no, this is us, <laughs> lads. This is us. As we were, as we were building up that fight before the, before the boys stepped into the ring, every single person here, Nick, Luke and Barry, every single one of you said, listen, this is his fight to lose. He needs to do X, Y and Z. The jab was a massive factor that you all mentioned and he boxed it to an absolute tee, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he was magnificent tonight. That's a, you know... The most disciplined fight I've seen, you know, watching him against Carlos Takam, against Povetkin, um, and against Vladimir Klitschko. That's the most disciplined he's ever fought. And he had to do something that he had never shown before. Yeah. And he pulled it out of the bag, and he stuck to his game plan, and he just boxed absolutely brilliant. And, you know, hats off to him. It was a great, great performance. But don't forget, he's still vulnerable, he's still beatable. And Tyson Fury and uh, Wilder are looking at that and thinking, yeah, you can still beat him. So, you know, it's up for grabs now, but he's redeemed himself. He's come back in and he's done what a lot of people didn't think he could do, including myself. And I'm happy to be proved wrong because he's a great kid. Like no, him a lot. Absolutely. But that's what makes him exciting, isn't it, Nick? That vulnerability. That's what we like in the heavyweight division, don't we? Of course. That's what makes it so entertaining. You know, if he just won every every fight like that, then, um, you know, it, it'd probably lose some appeal. You know, everyone criticizing Tyson Fury for winning rounds and not necessarily being entertaining when the fight actually happens. No one's really criticized AJ of that before, but tonight he puts in an absolutely faultless performance. I think it speaks volumes about the performance that were actually, you know, I was starting to criticize Andy Ruiz before. I was saying, well, you know, he kind of, rolled up the white flag he didn't really commit to the fight he didn't gamble at any point but as Barry pointed out he wasn't allowed to he couldn't get anywhere near AJ to even roll a dice I think Andy Ruiz has been out in Saudi all week saying that you know there's no way taking this belt off me I'm the first Mexican champion it's coming back with me I will do anything I will leave everything in that ring and he was frustrated from start to finish and in the end there was nothing he could do Andy Joshua was just far better far more superior boxing his footwork was unbelievable and Ruiz couldn't get anywhere near him to impact on the fight yeah. wonderful performance Luke being a mate of his now I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves because he's only just won he's probably enjoying himself with his uh, friends and family that are out in Saudi and I'm sure that those parties will continue once he hits uh, UK soil as well yep but the defeat in Madison Square Garden we saw a laser-like focus throughout the whole of this camp and especially tonight and a, and a discipline that we haven't seen before as Barry mentioned what do you think his target will be now for 2020? What do you think he wants? Well, I think he's 
I think he's back now with full confidence. I feel like, you know, what happened in New York was one of them lessons that sort of can propel him to the next level in boxing. You know, sometimes you need one of them little, little hiccups to actually bring you back, to actually propel you forward. You know, and, and, and I do believe now he's an he's an all-round better fighter for that. You know, he knows where his strengths lie and, and his talents. Uh, you know, he's, he didn't engage in, in that fight because he knew where to fight his battles. And, and to fight his battles was footwear. It was uh, hitting him at long range and making him miss. It wasn't to stand in the middle of the ring and trade. So now he's had that hard lesson learned. You know, he can move forward and, and look against these other guys. This is what I have to do to win fights. You know, because he, he does show a little bit of vulnerability, but... He knows his strengths, and that's tonight. We, I believe, that's that's what we saw. We saw him boxing at his strengths, and moving forward. Now going in against these other guys, he will have to stick. He'll have to be very disciplined to go in there and, and put performance in. Glad he's back. It's exciting now, any boys? Hey, let's yeah. roll on 2020. Sensational, uh, Luke. Thank you so much for your company tonight. When are we going to hear? about your next fight what's uh, what's the timeline for you um obviously now joshua's fights out the way with and he's got the victory and matchrooms that super excited i'm yeah. i'm hoping to hear some news very soon kcon stadium march Jorge Linares. let's I go i want to get a date as soon <laughs> as possible and you know i want that fight so i'm just waiting on 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 the news really and then i'll let you know thank you very much for your company tonight barry uh, as ever sensational just a quick one a few people have been tweeting in we spoke about the build-up yep. for, for Josh Taylor. Next for Josh Taylor, what, what, what do you think? Taylor has got uh, a mandatory um, defence. He's going to be put under pressure by the ABF. He's got a tie, and he has to make a, make a mandatory defence. Uh, Ramirez, the fight he wants, is uh, boxing Victor Poston for the 2nd of February. Yep. So we will hope, hopefully make a decision on what way we're going to go sometime soon. We're talking to Eddie. Obviously, he's our favourite guy. There's other people interested, but Eddie is the guy we want to do business with. So it's all about matchroom tonight, isn't it? And uh, I can't not mention the fact that uh, our cruiserweight, Chris Billum-Smith, put on a magnificent performance couple of weeks back in Liverpool on the undercard of Smith and Ryder against yeah. Craig Glover and took him out in four rounds. Uh, magnificent performance and this kid's getting better and better. He's now in the mix with some very exciting fights. So uh, the, 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 the camp is flying. Akoli is uh, looking like he's going to be fighting for the world title. He at, is, at, at yeah. So it's a very exciting time and uh, so uh, onwards and upwards. Well, enjoy the festivities, boys. Enjoy the festive period and have a prosperous new year. No doubt we'll be uh, covering a lot of your fights uh, over the next 12 months. Nick, as ever, pleasure to be Thank in your you. company. Thank I'm you so much for that. I'm going now with Luke. You're going night clubbing <laughs> with Luke, are you? Yes. <laughs> You're <laughs> off on it. There you go. Uh, and for you at home listening to this, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Anthony Joshua is a two-time unified heavyweight world champion. If you've only just joined us, this is how it played out. Atmosphere in the bar, let alone Saudi Arabia, is absolutely sensational at this moment in time. It's absolutely bonkers. You know, people are singing on tables and everything, but the good thing is we're we're drying here. Everybody in Saudi Arabia are stuck in some kind of crazy rainstorm or something wet. What's going on? Uh, the bell has just rung. Uh, Barry and Luke are going to concentrate on the fight and keep us up to date with everything at the end of every round. Beautiful display of left jab down and quickly sprinting away, bouncing back. 
but he's got it. You know, Manny Robles must be panicking like hell in the corner right now. Anthony Joshua doesn't need to engage. Anthony Joshua, surely now, as this fight concludes, has just become the heavyweight champion of the world for the second time. The fighting pride of London, England, and once again, the heavyweight champion of the world, the man known as AJ. I think the fight was a, was a good fight. I think AJ showed his boxing skills. The performance he put on tonight, the versatility that we've never seen this before. We saw him do a little bit of boxing in the Parker fight, but never move like that. He was like Muhammad Ali moving around around the ring. I want to say Bismillah, and then next, I want to say, man, the first time was so nice, I had to do it twice. with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson, and me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.